you. What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. This is, of course, the last show before the NFL Draft, so we'll have plenty of NFL Draft discussion, analysis, commentary, debate on this show. If you love the NFL Draft, you love football, this is definitely uh, the show to listen to. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, also, obviously, we just had the the last dance debut uh, last night, um, so I'll, I want to get Kendall's reaction to that. We have some special guests on uh, today's show, so this is going to be a, a jam-packed show. I'm hoping this isn't one of those marathon affairs. Um, <laughs> we're going to try to keep it at a reasonable time, but um, but but we'll, we'll see. We'll do our best. Let me put that put it that way. Kendall, of course, is my co-host. Now, Kendall, like I said before, we. Um, Last night was the last dance. It had a 6.1 rating here in the U.S. 6.1 million people watched. That's the, the most in the history of ESPN's uh, documentary releases uh, since they've been doing it. What was your biggest takeaway from the last dance last night? Did you have your Did you have your 11s on? Did you have Did you have your box of Wheaties and your Gatorade? Were you, were you, how hyped were you for this? And what did you did it live up to your expectations in the first two episodes? Um. Yeah, I, I I do not own any Air Jordan uh, material merchandise myself, so I was watching. Oh, oh you you LeBron you you a LeBron fan? <laughs> you, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be one or the other in today's in today's world. But um, yeah, no, I thought that was, I thought it was obviously the hype was uh, unreal for this documentary. I think the first two parts uh, lived up to it. Um, you know, it's it. it like that could have those two episodes could have been the documentary itself. Um, you know, I will contest that no documentary I think should be ten parts, but I can see why they're doing it like that, especially with the way they're telling the story, how it goes kind of forward and backwards jumping through time. Um But yeah, a lot of a lot of inside stuff, a lot of retelling of things and you really just see how similar uh you know, guy a guy like Jordan was to some of the superstars that we have now in terms of like, you know, like, like LeBron or in terms of a, a Kobe and like their stature. So, um, overall I thought, it, I thought it was great. Uh, I think it's been great. Um, and it, it makes you, I mean, we talked about it last night for about an hour afterwards, you know, all the little things that like you, you miss or all the little things that you forget about that you, that we, that we talked about, but uh, and that that conversation we had last night could have been a podcast in and of itself. I know, sure yeah. Over a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. It, should, it, it was a uh, it was a good documentary. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Like I said before, it was. Uh, I think it wasn't as much things people learned that they never heard of, but I think kind of getting the unique perspective. Um, and a, a honest perspective from the likes of someone like Scottie Pippen, for example, in regards to his whole contract situation and his um, anger at Jerry Krause. It, it was a fascinating, fascinating watch. I know the next episode is going to be uh, the Rodman episode, the episode where he, he tells Phil he needs to go on vacation because he can't take being a model citizen with Scottie being out all that time. So uh, I'm fascinated to see what happens. But yeah, Jerry Krause, I told you last night, Kendall, I think he's one of the most interesting figures in the history of sports. Um, a guy who orchestrated an unbelievable dynasty who gets zero credit for it in a way that is weird. But then when you kind of learn about him and learn like his the way he kind of thought, 
it makes sense in some ways. Um, like I told you before, like, and someone tweeted it, he's the first guy I've ever seen try to do a rebuild in the middle of a dynasty. Like, and it, there's an argument to be made that he was very forward-thinking in some of the things he wanted to do, but it, the problem was he didn't live in a vacuum. And <laughs> that's what I think created a lot of issues um, when you take the context of everything he wanted to do in, w- along with what was happening at the time, which was this revolutionary kind of team. That's where he kind of uh, falls to the wayside in regards to any kind of support you can have for some of the stuff you want to do towards the end. So I'm sure we're going to have plenty of uh, long conversations about The Last Dance as these episodes continue. I, I loved it last night. I agree. We could have done a podcast on it last night. We talked about it for a while. Um, but this is uh, the week of the NFL draft. This is going to be a NFL draft show. And I'm very excited to say that we have two guests, not just one, two guests on this week's show. So I'm really excited about that. So let me first introduce a voice that you're probably very familiar with if you listen to uh, any of the new generation content, whether it be on YouTube or whether it be on our podcast. You don't really hear much on sports. In fact, this may actually be his first sports appearance, which makes it really exciting for me. Shamari Stewart, the host of the Imperial Broadcast, the co-host of New Generation Hero Talk, is on Sports Talk today to talk NFL Draft. I know a lot of our audience is probably stunned being like, this guy likes football. Shamari is a huge football fan. In fact, he loves college football. And he watched a ton of it this year, and he came to me. He was like, I want to get on it. So here he is. Shamari, what's up, man? Yeah, EJ, thanks for having me on. I mean, yeah, I, was, I watched so much football this year. I just said, you know what? I just got to jump on this show. Uh, and I got to – I just got to talk about – I'm itching to talk about this draft. I mean, there's a lot of um, – I almost kind of re-energized my, my love of football this year, mm-hmm. watching so much college football, so much NFL football. I'm just like, man, I got to jump in. I got to jump right into this show. Excited to talk about all these great prospects that we have available. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking forward to it. Glad to be here. Awesome. And also joining us on uh, this show, I think he's been on every NFL draft show I've ever done, um, dating back to even uh, Hunter College. My good friend, NFL draft guru, Rob DeRay, is also with us uh, on this podcast. So this is a, a full a full house today. Rob, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Me and the Stewart brothers. This is uh, fantastic. Yeah, I think uh, I think yeah, this is going to be a big one. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the listeners enjoy this. We got a lot to talk about, a lot of ground to cover. We're going to try to cover as much as we can without this again being a four hour podcast. We're going to do our best. Uh, to make it as efficient like uh, MJ was in '86 uh, at the Boston Garden. So uh, <laughs> uh, let's do it. Let's talk. So let's talk NFL draft. There, I'm gonna start at the top because obviously Joe Burrow is expected to go number one, and leading up into uh, this week's big draft, he's made a very interesting phone call. Um, a phone call that I guess in theory I would have assumed maybe he would have already made. I thought it was curious that he made it this week or very recently. Um, in terms of, of trying to get advice for what he should expect. He called Peyton Manning, the NFL, former NFL superstar, obviously superstar for the Indianapolis Colts, Denver Broncos, multiple-time MVP, multiple-time Super Bowl champion. Um, he recently revealed that he did talk to uh, the LSU QB ahead of his rookie season in the NFL. Burrow, like Manning, all but a surefire bet to be taken number one uh, in their respective drafts. Peyton told him that the Bengals drafted number one, uh, 
is for a reason. You know, this he's probably going to be going to a team that has a lot of issues and that he should be ready for that. And that while this, the experience will be rough, that there will be a lot of learning he can do. And I, I'll be honest, I, I was considering some of the success we've seen rookie quarterbacks have in the NFL recently. I was a little surprised Peyton kind of seemed to, at least the, the, the stuff he revealed to the media, the stuff he revealed to us, a lot of it kind of harped on, man, it's going to be a long year for you. What do you guys expect from uh, Joe Burrow in year one? Kendall, I know you're, you've been super high on him. We, me and you both have been super high on him. I know we've talked to Shamari about him off air. This is the first time I'll be talking to Shamari about him. I haven't talked to Rob about him yet, so well, maybe a little bit off air. So, um, but, but Ken, I want you to go first. Considering Manning <laughs> yeah, kind of laying the groundwork that, you know, this year is going to be tough for you, what are you expecting from Joe Burrow stepping in day one for the Bengals? Yeah, I mean, my, my the evolution of my uh, opinion of Joe Burrow has been very interesting because – you know, like a lot of people, a while and he was all right. So, like, early in the season, there was a lot of hype after the Texas game, you know, after the Florida, a lot of stuff about this kid Joe Burrow. Like, he might be, like, he might pass Tua. And, I, and you know, I'm, like, I'm, I'm watching, and I'm like, all right, let's 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 slow down. He had a couple of good games, but are we really talking about the Joe Burrow from LSU that was a game manager all of his junior year? Um, but... It was game after game after game after game. I mean, it got to the point, once they faced Alabama and he put 40 on them, it got to the point where you could ignore it. And then up until the SEC championship game against Georgia, then the playoff game out against Oklahoma where he has like 20 touchdowns, and then the national championship game. Pitched a perfect game pretty much all season. So you can't ignore that the guy is had a special season uh, at LSU. Um I think, I mean, I think he's one of, if not the best quarterback prospect I've ever seen. You know, a lot of people talked about luck. Uh, I think Cam Newton, obviously, I think also um, was electric. And was obviously there was risk-reward there, but uh, certainly with electric coming out of Auburn. Um, Burrow, obviously, being 24, you worry about his age. But in terms of productivity coming in, very little weaknesses. The arm talent is, 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 is not special. But the accuracy and the pocket presence and the poise and the and the swagger, like all those things, are an A plus. So, I, with that being said, him going to Cincinnati, there are some weapons that he can work with: Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, Joe Mixon. Uh, assuming all those guys are there, which I guess isn't a guarantee, but assuming all those guys are there, he has some weapons to work with. The offensive line certainly needs work. Um, the the defense certainly needs work. Uh, John Ross, I really don't know what to make of him. He's he's been quite a disappointment. But I I don't know if he, I don't know if he can make them more than a seven win team. And if he does, if they do win seven games next year, that would be quite the accomplishment, given that they almost went on they almost went winless this season. So um, I look, I, I think he's good enough to get them to six seven wins with the talent that they already have because the quarterback position last year for Cincinnati was so bad. Like, I don't think people really understand like Ryan Finley and Joe Burrow is a huge, huge drop off, you know, Andy Dalton and Burrow. I think that is a drop off, you know, Dalton obviously had the experience factor, but talent wise, I don't think that 
I don't think he's in the same stratosphere as Bro personally. So I don't know. Um, I, I think I get what Peyton Manning's saying. In terms, it's going to be a rough, rough rookie year, but Peyton's also from the old guard when, like, quarterbacks coming in as rookies in 98, of course, they all had rough, for the most part, rough rookie year. But like EJ mentioned, a lot of these guys recently, some of them have had rough rookie years, but a lot of them, I mean, Kyler Murray last year, team didn't win a whole lot, but for the most part, he was productive. You know, like, that, that narrative isn't nearly as prevalent as it was 20 years ago. So I think Burrow should have a solid rookie year. Honestly, I think he is going into a bad situation. Um, if you're going to the Chargers, I'd feel better. If you go into the Dolphins, I may even feel better. But um, it, it, we'll also see what Cincinnati can do with the rest of their draft to surround Burrow with weapons and with uh, help, you know, because they may have an opportunity to do some other things in the draft to get a little better. Mr. Mari, you're obviously a Florida Gators fan. Uh, you watch a lot of SEC football. I know Burrow tore up your Gators. I was actually watching some film on um, Van Jefferson, and so I watched a lot of that game and uh, in the corner from Florida. So I watched a lot of that game today. Well, what do you think of, of Burrow's, um, Burrow's first-year expectations with the Bengals? Um, uh, my expectations are, um, well, when it comes to wins, my expectations aren't as high as Kendall. Um, <laughs> and we had talked about this before, so Kendall knows. I mean, I don't expect the Bengals to win very much. Um, and it's not going to be at any fault. Of, and it's not going to be any fault of Burroughs, even though he's a quarterback. And I know quarterbacks are expected to lead their team to victory, but they can only do so much. Um, so a lot of it is up to the, you know, the the, um, uh, the front office and supplying him with weapons and protection and a good defense, so they're not getting torched every game. So I mean, I'd, I mean, if they draft really well, which is possible. I mean, looking. I mean, they have a lot of. I mean, I'm looking. I mean. Uh, it's not like they have like barely any picks. They have, I see a lot of uh, picks each round. I see a down really. Um, so, I mean, if they draft really well. I mean, they can they can try to supply. Maybe they get some good linemen, get some defensive pieces. Um, I mean, they can do better than they did last season. Yeah. I would expect them to do better yeah, than I mean, they did last yeah, season. So. <laughs> but um, but I don't expect Burrow to be a Burrow alone to be a catalyst for them to suddenly become. You know, right. any kind of you know playoff threat or or wild card threat or really anything like that. Right, right. Um, I expect Burrow to have a solid season. I don't expect him to do poorly, but I do expect there. I do expect it to take time. You know, I don't think he's going to be one of these people that just shows up and just starts tearing teams apart. I mean, I think he has that potential because I watched him do it all year. I mean, watching him in the SEC, I mean, it was like watching you know. The high school team going right. against it was like horrible, yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, he's been tearing these teams apart in college, so um, he has the potential to to have a breakout season, but I would not expect it in this rookie season. I would expect him to put up solid solid stats, um, kind of like you were saying, Kendall, similar. To, you know, Kyler Murray put up good numbers, but not a lot of winning going on. I expect that team is gonna it's gonna take time for that team. To really build pieces around him, he's gonna have to develop a rapport with his teammates, so that you know they get into a rhythm and they can really start winning some games. Now, Rob uh, Burrow, if he goes to the Bengals, which we all we all expect, he'll be entering uh, a division that obviously has Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. They're you know pretty much a juggernaut. They're gonna almost certainly win the division again next year. But a lot of uncertainty with the other two teams, you know, Steelers, 
you know, Ben's health, you know, they seem to be a team that's kind of in flux. I don't even know what the Browns are going to look at, look like by the time uh, week one rolls around, whenever that is. Do you see any uh, wiggle room for the Bengals with Burrow in year one being able to kind of, you know, make some waves in that division? Or is it just going to be another last place doormat finish? Uh, it's going to be another last place doormat finish for the Bengals. Um, not that I'm not high on Burrow. I'm not as high maybe as Kendall is. Um, but uh, that, that team is is just a nightmare right now. And in some ways, they're still on the decline. They haven't even hit rock bottom. They're not like the Dolphins you could see away where, you know, they knock something out of the park here, find a quarterback, and they're back in contention soon. The Bengals got offensive line problems. Their defense their defense has gotten old in a lot of places. You're relying on A.J. Green. I, I can't even remember. I'm as big A.J. Green fan as there is. I don't remember the last time I really saw him uh, healthy and at full speed. Um, Andy Dalton's been a good quarterback for a long time, and, and he wasn't winning anything with, with the Bengals last year. Uh, and that roster is just not going to be demonstrably better this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be – it's so weird because I, 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 I agree with, you know, Sham and Rob when, I, when you look at the Bengals roster – it just seems like there are too many holes and there are too many question marks. I think the biggest one really centering around AJ Green, as uh, Rob mentioned. You know, what is he at age thirty-one? You know, it's kind of crazy for me, as you know, I feel like I'm getting older. When I, you know, when I look at AJ Green, I see that he's thirty-one years old. I'm like, oh my god! But I mean, he's gonna be—he's thirty-one now, and he hasn't been healthy in probably about you know three years. He's not been an elite level receiver in a long time. So is he the number two to Tyler Boyd? And what's Tyler Boyd as a number one receiver? I mean, we saw what that was last year. He had good individual numbers, but as a team, you know, as an offense, they were, uh, they failed. They failed miserably. Um, we know Joe Mixon's a solid running back, but will he, you know, I heard him chirping about his contract. Is that going to become something that they're going to have to worry about? I mean, like, and then off the line's a mess. So I, I think Burrow will have good moments. I think he'll put up good numbers. Because I do think he is a a, I think he's a definitely an upgrade over Ryan Finley, obviously, and I do think he's an upgrade over Dalton, who I think was a little um I think he was a little punchy last year. That's what he looked like to me, he looked like a quarterback that kind of been through the ringer, and he needed to probably sit down and maybe a change of scenery, uh, better off the line situation, maybe better offense, you know, in terms of scheme. He just he just didn't look right. He looked like a guy that just had, had been through too many wars. So I think having just a fresh arm, fresh legs. I mean, Burroughs are such an underrated athlete, too. Um, I think that that will do good for the Bengals, and they'll be a better team this season with him. But, you know, we've seen some in some years some rookie quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, for example, you know, surprise, you know, in their first year and take their team to the playoffs. Do we expect Burroughs to do that? I don't think so. I think that despite the fact that the AFC is really weak, I just think the Bengals are still too far away, and um, and they're, they're too weak in some key spots. Austin line, very weak. They're relying on um, a lot of uh, older defensive players that really they probably should have cut bait with a long time ago, or you know tried to do something to maybe supplement some of those guys. They haven't really um, for a team that drafted well for a long time. I don't feel that like they've drafted uh, great impact players in a long time. So. Uh, so the Bengals got issues. I, I, don't, I don't see how Burrow comes in year one and lights it up. 
But I, I do think that he's, to me, without question, the number one pick. I do think that he will be a star in the NFL. Uh, I just don't think it's going to be year one. And the question I have, and I throw this to anybody who wants to jump in, is, is I have questions about the confidence I have in Mike Brown to be able to put together a team around him that, that can uh, eventually get to that spot. Because we all agree they're not probably there next year. But do we feel like the Bengals, as a franchise, have the infrastructure uh, with their head coach, with their front office, to put Burrow in the position to get those other pieces necessary to win? And, and that's really the only thing I really worry about with, with Joe is, is, is will that front office really protect him, really make the right moves to uh, maximize his potential? Because I think I think the Bengals have shown they're just as a as a as a um, as an organization they're just a question mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's certainly a question mark. I do wonder if Burrow is the type of player where you know like I'm not saying he's LeBron, you know, but LeBron going to Cleveland, they went they went from a you know That's... an embarrassment of a franchise. Mm-hmm. Too respectable. That's what, exactly what I was going to say. Where, I mean, yeah, you, you have to ask the question: Is Burrow going to be a guy where he goes to a team where there's nothing, no one ever wants to go there, everyone's saying don't go there, right? And all of a sudden he's there, and now all of a sudden all these people want to go there. New England with Brady, with they, I mean, <laughs> New England before Brady, not much, um, not much. Mm-hmm. Now again, my question is: Hall is, of he, is that we're Bra- talking about? My question, though, guys, is: Is he Brady? It does it become a Brady situation? Or a LeBron right. situation does it become an Andrew Luck situation, where right. you have incompetent front office management, and they wait way too long to put together the pieces necessary to protect him to the point where the guy quits. I'm not saying I want Joe. I'm not saying Joe Burrow is going to quit, but maybe something else is going to happen, and they don't maximize these prime years he has. Uh, the, yeah, the Colts mismanage that whole situation. And that's why Luck is no longer with them, and, and, that's, and that's, that's, where the, that's where the fear to... comes in. That's going to come down I just want to, I just want to, yeah, I'm going to jump in and just yeah. say one thing about the situation is also, if you lined up all 32 head coaches and, you know, we, we did a little fancy draft, Zach Taylor would probably go last other than the complete <laughs> yeah, disaster yeah. coach that you gonna, really hate. Yeah, that's where I was going to go too, is that Zach Taylor, it's going to come down to what kind of a coach he is. Um, he came out of nowhere in L.A., to be the next, they thought they, that they could turn him into the next Sean McVay, and I don't like. I don't know if he's a head coach, and that's that's a problem. And Burrow may be the type of guy that it may not be till his next his next coach, uh, where Cincinnati really takes off. But mm-hmm. he showed nothing in year one to make you think that Zach Taylor is a is a coach that can win that can win games. You know, Brian, Brian Flores in Miami showed some signs, some semblance of structure to give you some confidence that when Herbert or Tua ends up there, that they can start winning games. He's from the Belichick tree. You feel a little bit better about that. Zach Taylor is straight from the, the you know, the, I like to say the Jimmy Dutron boy genius, you know, quarterback guru tree that isn't always that, I mean, it works with Sean McVay, but that's that's a that's a lightning in a bottle strategy. So, I mean, you're gonna have to hope that him and Burrow have just an excellent chemistry. Uh, and if that works, if the quarterback works, then you hope that that's enough to win you games. I mean, if they if they say the the Bengals are really bad again this year, I mean, if they're able to get either a number two or three pick next year, yeah, and it kind of 
continues along that path. I mean, with Burrow, quarterback centerpiece, I don't, you can build around Burrow. I think is really the ultimate thing where how I feel about Burrow's future is you can build around him. You know, you have to be a, a quite the front office to not be able to build around a, a player like him. He's so elite. I mean, at least based on everything that I've seen in college, he's yeah. so elite. Now, the, the yeah. one question that we have with Burrow that even I have, I don't think that it's not enough for me to say that, you know, I'm drafting too low over him, like some people are saying, right. but he was not as good, like I mentioned, his junior year. And the only real difference was Joe Brady came in as offensive coordinator. And Joe Brady is not going to be there in Cincinnati. He's going to be in Carolina. In fact, he's going to be uh, – <laughs> exactly. In fact, he's going to be in a different – he's going to be on a different NFL team. What – at what – does that give anybody any cause for concern with Joe Burrow? Because yes. – All right. So that – and that's a fair – that's a fair, I think – that's a fair weakness. You know, it's a fair thing when you look at Burrow and you're like, all right, you know, Joe Brady did a whole lot with him, you know, last season. He's in Carolina now. Now he goes to Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor, obviously, Rob has already mentioned, possibly the worst head coach in the league. That is, that could be a cause for concern. And I would defer, you know, my X's and O's to Rob DeRay, but I would argue while the Brady thing is definitely a concern, I don't concern myself with it as much because to me, it's a thing of, okay, when I watch Burrow, and I'm not going to say I watched a million LSU games. I did watch them against Miami that year when they played them. Um, and I watch him this year. Take away scheme. What kind of player was he? And how much did he improve from year to year? Like, was this guy in there? Um, and and then now the scheme, you know, opened him up? Or did he actually physically mature? Did he get technically better, and, and and did he did his game improve beyond just the X's and O's? And to me, I would argue the latter. I would argue that, I mean, he was not as accurate um, the year before. He was not as good under pressure the year before. Yes, those things are coached, but those are skill sets. That's not, we're running this new scheme now, hence guys are running more open. When I watch LSU, I'm watching Joe Burrow throw dimes into impossible windows that's not a scheme that's a guy has to make a throw and that's a throw that burrow didn't show any capability of making the year before now is he a one-hit wonder that's is the question around him but i'm i'm kind of paused on the idea that he's a one-hit wonder because of the offensive coordinator my i'm more concerned about is he a one-hit wonder because he had receivers that just made him look so great because you could throw a jump ball up there yes he's putting the ball in great spots but these guys were so awesome that, you know, what may have been incompletion if he was playing at, uh, you know, Arkansas is turning into touchdowns. Uh, you know, we're playing, you know, when you're throwing to the guys you're throwing to at LSU. That would be my question. I don't know. I'll give Rob the last word on this before we move on. I, I With Burrow, I, I see what we're saying. And, and I'm not just trying to call it scheme. You know, Kendall said his tra- physical traits, not special. He's a good athlete. He's got a good arm. What really impresses you is the poise and decision-making. But a lot of that is also he's throwing the ball downfield. They were aggressive. That doesn't mean just because of Joe Brady, but in general, they were moving the ball downfield for big plays. His receivers were making big plays. But at some point, you know, we know, you know, Russell Westbrook is going to shoot, you know, 29% from three. But if he's shooting 70% for a month, you're going to start guarding him. And 
you know, Burrow might be doing this long term. He probably is not going to be throwing 60 touchdowns for every seven picks he has, but you know, the offensive coordinator is only going to get you so much. It's really all I got. He's, yeah. I'm torn. It, it really is. It's because I'm torn on him because he doesn't. If I had him lined up with, with Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, who I've seen, you know, do it multiple years, you know, it doesn't seem so out of nowhere. Burrow, it does seem out of nowhere, and it does bother me. Yeah, no, I get. I that. mean, look, you're you're, you're uh, <laughs> we're we're sharing a brand on that one when it comes to Fields and, and Lawrence, uh, especially Fields. I'm a huge Fields guy, but um, you know, Burrow had what sixty touchdowns last year. Yeah, I get. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would say you could probably. I would say 20 of those at least were scheme were scheme touchdowns where, you know, they were a touchdown before the play even before the play even happened, you know, but 40, 40 is still a good number. So, yes, it is. let's uh, let's 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 talk about some of the top defenders before we go back into the quarterback conversation. So, as I said, there are uh, elite defenders in this draft who had stellar combine performances and, and obviously great college seasons. Um, among the top three, you got Chase Young, who by all accounts is expected to go number two in this draft to the, to the Washington Redskins, barring some trade. Um, then the other two top two guys, we have Jeff Okuda, his Ohio State teammate, the cornerback, and Clemson's jack-of-all-trades, whatever position you want to call him, um, Isaiah Simmons. Uh, all expected to go, yes, pretty much athlete. All expected to go in the top ten, maybe even higher than that. Of those three guys, I'll give this one to Rob first. Who has the best NFL career? Uh, I really love Isaiah Simmons. I would talk about Isaiah Simmons forever. Chase Young is is likely to have the best career. He's the one I would pick if I had the second pick. Uh, he he's just an unbelievable prospect. You know, I, I I've been a big fan of. I had Joey Bosa ranked number one the year he came out. I had Nick Bosa ranked number one the year he came out. Uh, and Chase Young really as an athlete would just run circles around those guys. Uh, and he, he's not too far behind in terms of the polish. If he is even as far behind, I, I think he's, I think he's a special, I think he goes up in that, you know, Jadavian Clowney and Dominican Sue. I know miles Garrett, these guys that were just rock solid, give him an a plus grade or a 99 grade or a 9.0 or whatever the highest grade in your scale is and you know, move on to the next. See your number one guy overall. Absolutely, mm. not even close. Really, uh, I never, I almost never put quarterbacks number one. Uh, I, I think Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin being my one-two uh, the year they came out was probably the most recent exception. But uh, Chase Young is, I, I think there's a big gap as terms of prospect between Chase Young and Joe Burrow. All right, what about you? Uh, what about you, Sham? Are those three guys who you, who you, who you think has the best NFL career? Um, for me, I think it is, I mean, I mean, it's really hard to go against Chase Young. (laughs) He's so talented. Um, um, I mean, I, I mean, I feel like you have to say Chase Young. He's so, he's so talented, you know, just see just how, how large he is, how fast he is. I mean, he makes the other, I mean, he, he literally made like all the college players look like kids. You know, it was like bullying them. It was like, it was like bullying the offensive linemen. And whenever you see that, and honestly, when it, especially when it comes to D linemen, whenever you see that, 
it almost always translates to the NFL. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like that's one position where it's like you don't you usually don't see someone completely dominate that position in college and not do so in the NFL. I agree. At least not recently. I agree. I think that you'll um, see like the guys who are like kind of the potential guys who like show flashes and they mm-hmm. say and then those guys may bust. But you got the guys who right. actually dominated. Yeah, the guys that dominate yeah, it's, completely. It's, it's rare. They almost always end up dominating in the NFL. So I think I have to go with Chase Young. But I do think Isaiah Simmons is also going to have an amazing career. He's so versatile. He can do so much. You know, it's like pick a position with him. Right. You know, it's it's wherever he fits best, you know, in your in your defense. So um, he's a close second, but I feel like you have to go with Chase Young. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's Chase Young, you know. Like, you know, Shori mentions making these guys look, look like kids. You know, we're talking about Big Ten offensive linemen. We're talking about, the, I mean, the Wisconsin game. <laughs> it was just a, a wrecking. It was, he was just a wrecking ball. I mean, like, we're not, you know, this isn't, this, he wasn't playing in the MAC conference. You know, Khalil Mack, you know, playing at Buffalo. You know, you're like, all right, what am I what am I watching? But this guy, this guy doing this against uh, some of the best offensive linemen in the country. Um, but, you know, if we're talking about, Akuda versus Simmons, I that I think that one's close. I mean, a lot of people are high on Jeff Akuda, and he's he's somebody that when you watch the Ohio State, you can definitely see, you know, defensively. Obviously, Chase Young is going to catch a lot of attention because he's in the backfield every play. Even if he doesn't get a sack, you're just like, man, this dude yeah. is in the backfield <laughs> literally every play. <laughs> but Akuda was a playmaker, and yeah, the the. A lot of times, you know, he may not have, you know, like obviously with a cornerback, interceptions is a is a tricky stat because sometimes guys are you can label a guy and say what kind of playmaker is he, but you got to look at how many times did they even throw to his side. And Akuda, uh, you know, you don't want to say he's a Darrell Revis, you know, because I think that that's a name that you know when you invoke Darrell Revis, that's like invoking Michael Jordan, <laughs> you know, that the quarterback position, but. He's a guy that you don't really throw to when he's when he's out there, and those guys are valuable. Obviously, a pass rusher is gold in the NFL, and you know having a guy like that, especially if Jason goes goes to Washington, you know with Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen, all those guys, that's gonna be that could be a special front uh, front four. Um, but I wonder if a guy like Akuda is more valuable than a guy like Simmons. Because Derwin James, Derwin James is the closest thing in the NFL we probably have to Isaiah Simmons. And he's a great player, but is he going to be the impact of a of a shutdown, lockdown corner? And that's I guess that's my question. I, I just, yeah, I would just throw in, it's like, if you got a really smart defensive coordinator who you trust, I would love to have Simmons and see what you could do. If you yeah. just need a guy who can go out there, do the job, no matter who's coach calling the plays, you go with Akuda because they're rock solid. You don't really have to think twice about putting him out there, cover the best guy, shut down one side of the field. Uh, that's easy. Yeah, I think that the conversation – I mean, I agree. I think it's, it's really hard to go against Young because, again, when you have a guy on the edge, that's just so dominant. I mean, it was ridiculous watching him get off the ball. And, you know, it seemed like the offensive tackle was just stuck in quicksand trying to stop this guy. And when he somehow didn't get off the ball quickly, he just would just bulldoze over the offensive lineman. So the guy is, is just an athletic, just monster. But if you're talking about a guy outside of Young, the, 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 the 
conversation between Simmons and Akuda is so fascinating to me because I think uh, I think Rob said it best. I think when you look at just I need a guy who I can plug and play. I'm running a standard defense, and I don't got to worry about you know me having to be creative to make him uh, reach his potential. I mean, Jeffrey Okuda is I, – I think he's one of the most – I don't want to say he's underrated because he's going to go top three possibly. But I just I, – I feel like like we don't speak enough, maybe because of two, the guys at the top, uh, you know, Young and Burrow, so spectacular. Then Tua has got a lot of storyline around him. I mean, you got to – I mean, he's one of the best corners we've had come into this draft in a long time. And I can't remember the last guy that's, that's going to go as high as uh, – that as as Akuda's gonna go, maybe it's uh it's Ramsey. I'm assuming. Um, <laughs> Morris Claiborne. <laughs> I mean, if he goes three, yeah, basically like Morris Claiborne, I guess. Like, which is kind of absurd, but but I mean, I mean, <laughs> a little guy, troubling. Yeah, but I mean, the guy is just. I mean, he's he's just locked down. I mean, he's not like the most amazing tackler, but like he gets the guy to the ground, and in man to man, he's exactly what you want. You can he can travel across the field. He's not the kind of guy that has to stay on one side. He can cover in the slot. I mean, the interception he had against Lawrence in the semifinal conference playoff game was just ridiculous. He lets a guy go underneath him, go go across his face, and then just covers the, the, the tracks for a guy like Lawrence who has a cannon and undercuts the throw and picks it off. I mean, just he, he he's a special player, man. I, I don't I don't I don't want him to, to kind of get lost in the shuffle because of some of the spectacular athleticism we see from Young and Isaiah Simmons. Who Isaiah Simmons is just he's not from this earth. I mean, you got a guy that size, that speed, running a four three. I mean, I'm I'm watching film, and this guy is just spying QBs. And as soon as they even think about stepping outside, I mean, he's just just all over him. Uh, and, and his sideline right. to sideline speed is, is is just dangerous. My, I guess my only concern with him is just again, what I, whatever position he plays is going to be great. But what, how are you going to use him? That's going to make him special. Because to me, I think what would be the, the biggest crime would be if this guy doesn't become a special player because he just – no one really is able to figure him out. Because I've never seen a player like him before. I, I saw Pro Football Focus now, did their video, and they had what, what's an NFL comp, and they said no comp. And I agree. I, I know Derwin James is probably the closest guy, but uh, he rushes – he had seven sacks last year. Yeah, he can rush. He can rush the edge. The line. You know, he can yeah. play corner. Like, it, like I've never seen anything anybody like this. Now, guy. what makes Isaiah Simmons so valuable potentially in today's NFL is the proliferation of the dual threat quarterback. Like someone yes. like Lamar Jackson is so dangerous, obviously, but if you have Isaiah Simmons at linebacker. Like that, that would certainly helps, you know. You know, nowadays, you know, Kyler, Kyler Murray, too. Speed. Yeah, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. Although, Russell Wilson, if you talk to people from the Seahawks, they'll tell you it's not nearly the same athlete he was <laughs> uh, coming out of Wisconsin. But uh, obviously, pl- there's a plethora of dual threat quarterbacks that are coming into the league, and you're going to need you're gonna need linebackers like that to, uh, to help stop them. So, that that's why you're gonna see him go in the top five more than likely, certainly the top ten. And you're gonna have a lot of defensive coordinators, especially like Rob said, the the creative ones that are gonna be pounding the table, uh, or pounding their laptop from their Zoom uh <laughs> headquarters at their house saying, Get me uh get me Isaiah Simmons if he falls. So Rob uh, that should be that that should he should be an interesting guy to watch. 
Rob, there's a lot of conversation about the Lions and the Giants three and four. Those spots potentially being spots where Akuda and Simmons can go, but those two teams have been very open about possibly being interested in trading down. If they trade down, I don't think that they go much farther than where they are. They're going to lose those guys, potentially. Would that be a mistake on your part, you think, on their part, you think, if they decide to trade, you know, further into the first round um, and get a King's Ransom, but, you know, lose the opportunity at drafting one of those uh, one of those stud defensive players? Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to check out what the exactly the King's Ransom would be. Uh, I'm usually of the mindset if, if I put – four guys in tier one say right now it's you know forget the quarterbacks let's say chase young okuda and simmons are my tier one players if i'm trading back and now i'm not getting a tier one player i am i'm upset uh so i wouldn't look to move too far back you know if the chargers want to jump miami if miami wants to jump up to block the chargers if you're Maybe you could talk yourself into going down to, you know, seven, eight, nine. Um, if Carolina or somebody wants to come up to get a quarterback, the, the price is right. You know, you you do it. But if I'm from the Lions, if I'm the Giants, I want to come away with Okuda, Simmons, or if by some miracle, Chase Young. Yeah, I was telling these guys off the air. I mean, the Giants have not had a star linebacker since Jesse Armstead. And they have had a good linebacker since Antonio Pierce. So, it's in my opinion, I mean, if they... I know there are also some awesome linemen in this draft, too, and we're going to talk about them a little later, but if you have an opportunity to get an athlete like Chase, um, used to me like uh, Isaiah Simmons, and they pass up on it again after all these years of being so poor at that position, not to say that linebacker... A linebacker's been devalued in the NFL. Um, and At the very least, a, a, the kind of player you want, maybe, at linebacker's been devalued. But, I mean, Simmons seems like, as Kendall said, like the perfect fit based on how the NFL is being played. If if, if they decide to, to move really far back, I mean, I'm going to have a lot of questions with Dave Gettleman. And it will not be it will not be the first time that I've had a lot of questions about the stuff that Dave Gettleman does. Okay, let's... It would, be, uh, it would, it, it would just be remarkable... If the first time Dave Gettleman trades back in his entire career with Carolina and the and the Giants, would it be to not take a player like Isaiah Simmons? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's, but he it would be he, remarkable. But he is Gettleman, so like in my head, I'm like anything is possible. And the way he's talking, <laughs> he's talking as if he's itching to do it. If someone gives him the right thing, now, um, you know, he is kind of like I don't know. He's almost like a. Wasn't there like a not, not Inspector Gadget, but wasn't there like a spy who was kind of like bumbling and like even though he kind of got the job done? I feel like that's Gettleman, like the Pink it, Panther, Inspector Clouseau. Yeah, maybe that, I mean, that's what I'm looking at. Like in, in some some aspects, like I do feel like he is kind of like playing a game of chess in like some of these like uh, some of these comments he's put out there. Where I don't know if he necessarily does want to move back, but he's so. Gettleman like that is like he's unpredictable like he could end up doing something crazy that I wouldn't anticipate and 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 but he could also be, be playing a long game that we don't expect so we'll see what happens but I do want to shift the conversation back to quarterbacks just real quickly because uh Burrow and of course Tua Tagovailoa, who we talked about a bunch on this show um are expected to be the first two quarterbacks taken 
Then there's three more guys, and uh, other other three guys, you know, all of them could potentially be taken in the first round. You're talking about obviously Oregon's Justin Herbert, who a lot of people thought would leave the leave Oregon last year to go to the NFL draft. He stayed another year, um, had a solid season, won the Rose Bowl with Rose Bowl MVP. Uh, Jordan Love from Utah State, who seems to be kind of like the uh, trendy kind of uh, sneaky kind of pick for a lot of people in terms of uh, sleepers, in terms of the quarterbacks. And then Jalen Hurts, who has a national championship to his pedigree, uh, is another transfer quarterback at Oklahoma who had a, a stellar season. So of these three guys, uh, what would you? how would you rank these guys one to three? I'll give Kendall this one first. Uh, Love, so Herbert, we're not, and Hurts. not including... Okay. Yeah, nine. No, no, Tua. no Tua. Yeah, no Tua. Because okay. I mean, unless someone wants to make a case that Herbert or someone is better. <laughs> that's than the Tua. question. I mean, the Dolphins, the Dolphins at five, seem to be leading Herbert. But we will, we'll, we'll stick with. I'll stick with your question. Um, because I have Tua ahead of Herbert. But um, so Herbert, Love, and Hurts. I would go Herbert. Um, although I don't love Herbert. I mean, Shamari knows like. Me personally, mm-hmm. if if you're drafting a quarterback in, if you're thinking about drafting a quarterback in the top ten, top fifteen, I would just punt till next year. And if if you really if you're gonna be a bad team like the Dolphins or something like that, if if you're saying we're gonna draft Herbert, I personally would just you know <laughs> wait till next year and get Fields or Lawrence hopefully. But um, but if if you're if you're you know insisting on drafting a quarterback, I would say Herbert. Uh, Hurts and then Jordan Love. That would be me personally. Not as high on Jordan Love. Hurts is a project, but I trust his football character more than Jordan Love personally. So um, I think he, I think he has a little. I think he's more of a winner. Um, and I would take Easton, Jacob Easton over Jordan Love as well. I'll take JC, Jacob Easton over Hurts and Love. So yeah, it would be. Herbert Eason. Why the love? Why the why the love for Eason? Uh, Eason, I think, obviously more of your traditional dropbacks, you know, strong arm quarterback. Uh, I don't think he's ready to play next year. I don't think any of those guys that we talked about are ready to play next year. But I think if you get him in the right situation, um, maybe Tampa Bay, where he he can sit for a couple of years, I think with some seasoning, I think he'd be a even though he's not your modern day quarterback, because uh, there's no dual threat potential with him, uh, I think he can be a, a high level starter. I think you know Jay Cutler esque. Okay, what, what about you, Shan? Uh, so I'll go Herbert. Um, honestly, I have to say in terms of the rating. Well, I don't have Eason in there. Uh, Eason. Um, I guess if I'm adding Eason into it, I I would have Herbert. Um, Hurts. I don't know. I think it's probably about the same between Love and, and Eason. They're probably at around the same level. Um, I do agree with Kendall as well in that if you're in the top ten, especially specifically, I think you might as well just wait till next year. Honestly, if you plan on um, drafting a quarterback, but uh, when it comes to rating those quarterbacks, I put Herbert at the top. I watched a lot of Herbert this year. He's very solid. I mean, he's not he's not Joe Burrow level in terms of clutch and just poise, right? <laughs> but I mean, he's he's got solid 
you know, mechanics. He has a, a decent arm. He's yeah. a big, big stature, big yeah, size. Yeah, I think he has a bigger arm than Burrow does. Which yeah, I think so too. Whatever that's um, worth. I mean, he, I mean, he, he's uh, mobile. You know, he's able to move very well, actually, in the pocket. He's kind of underrated in that aspect as well. Um, and, I mean, she shows a lot of grit as well. And that's something to look at also. So, I mean, I have Herbert at the top of that list. Um, I expect him to have a decent pro career. I don't expect him to wash out or be one of these guys that kind of vanishes and you don't hear from them ever. <laughs> don't hear from them again. They end up just kind of right. fading into the background. Yeah, some terrible team. Coordinator in five years. Yeah. Yeah, I don't expect him to be one of those guys. So, and Jalen Hurts, I mean, I think I think he could potentially explode in the NFL. I was very high on him early this year. Um, and, uh, I mean, he is a project. Kendall, I agree. But, um, you know, and there's something about him. He's, he just has, like like you said, he's a winner. He has an it factor. He has right? an it factor. There's an it factor about him, you know. And there's a, there's a, I think there's a fire. There's a hunger there. Like almost right. Joe Burrow esque. A lot of right. what I saw from Burrow this year. So I think Hertz has a lot of potential. I'm not as big on love, similar to Kendall. I'm probably not as as yeah. down on love, but um, um, I'm not quite as big on him as the other prospects. And Eason, I agree with Kendall. He's kind of like he's a good drop back. Um, you know, kind of your standard pocket quarterback, but um, he's also a solid pick as well. All right. What about what about you, Rob? Uh, I would take uh, just out of those three. I would take Love first. Wow. Um, I probably would take. I probably wouldn't, but I, I'm going to say I would take Hertz second and then Herbert third. Uh, I think that, uh, in my opinion, I wouldn't. I don't like the idea of wasting a draft pick on a backup quarterback. I think Herbert and Hertz are probably both backup quarterbacks, which means. They're going to be drafted before I would really value them anyway. Um, Hurts, obviously, because of his athleticism and his legs. I think at least if he was your backup, you could get him on the field um, and, and actually get something out of those picks. And I think you can manufacture wins and offense with him. Um, I think Love's a big project, but I could have seen a team, if the Colts hadn't you know, signed Rivers and traded their draft pick, if they wanted to invest in Love, and hope that he turns into something more like his junior year tape than this past year's tape. I could see it, but uh, I, I think Herbert probably maxes out uh, somewhere around the ceiling that uh, we've seen from Ryan Tannehill. And will I value that with maybe like a pick in the, from 25 to 35? Yeah, maybe I would, but he's not going to be there. So uh, I, I don't really expect much more from him than, than that. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. Uh, it's very fascinating. I was, I was very curious out of these guys what you guys would all think of love. And um, I'm going to side with the Stewart bros here. I, I'm also not that high on love. And I wanted to because I've, I've heard the hype and I really was, like, curious. And I finally started putting on the tape and said, okay, what is this kid made of? And I, you're, you do make a good point. I mean, his junior stuff, he was uh, a much uh, much better player, in my opinion. But, you know, to me, I think when you're talking about quarterback play, I think the number one attribute that you look for is decision making. And too often, uh, love is just making just bonehead decisions that it's hard to really comprehend what he's thinking on some of these throws. Uh, Obviously, he had the 17 interceptions 
in just 13 games. That's a lot of picks for college. That's a lot of picks for the Mountain West Conference. It's not like this guy was playing in the you know the SEC or you know or very playing as top notch competition. I know obviously he's not playing with top notch competition, but I don't want to see 17 picks you playing in the Mountain West. And um, and I think okay okay put the picks and decision making aside. Do I see these incredible physical attributes? And I think his physical attributes are just above average. I think his arm is above average. I think that a lot of it. Um, there are there are spots where he looks like he can really you know sling it, and I think a lot of it comes from the fact that his mechanics are inconsistent. So, you guys made the case Justin Jalen Hurts as a project, and I agree. But I mean, I think Love is a massive project. I, I think that if you're taking a chance on him, I think you're rolling the dice. Because my thing is, if I'm gonna excuse the poor decision making, I need to see absurd physical attributes and. I think size and weight, yes, they, they're perfect for a quarterback. But outside of that, I don't see anything that's spectacular. Um, he's shown an ability to have good anticipation on throws. He has a good arm, but I don't see, I don't see a special player. Um, I, I think that he's he's way more of a risk than a guy like Herbert. If I was going with him, I would have Herbert one. I'd have um, Hurts uh, two. And I would have Love three. I would not put Easton above Love only because um, – Eason, there's some character things with him. I know there's some character things we'd love to, but Eason, I, I do have some character questions. You know, why was Georgia so willing to move on from a guy who was the number one quarterback and their best recruit, like, ever? Like, uh, you know, you know why? You know, Kirby Smart. What, what was his inability? Yeah, I, I, inability I, I, to make I'm adjustments convinced. in games. Like, there, there's some stuff with Eason that kind of – I, I get, I get Ryan Mallett uh, vibes with him, and that kind of scares me. I do as well, and I love Ryan Mallett, so I think that's why I like Ethan. But I, I'm convinced that Jake Fromm is either has some sort of blackmail on Kirby Smart, <laughs> or is like his like son-in-law. Because <laughs> my thing is like I don't know. I think you're right. The thing with Fromm and Ethan is weird, but then Kirby Smart did the same thing with Justin Fields and ran him out of town. So I, I mean, <laughs> at some point I'm like, all right, you know, if it looks like a, if it, like a, if it quacks like a duck, then it looks like that is a duck. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I I agree with Rob in the sense that Herbert wouldn't draft him in the top ten or fifteen. Um, and I guess even though I have Herbert ranked higher than Hertz, like I think Hertz is a much better value play because Hertz might be available at twenty, twenty-five, thirty. And if you can get Hertz at twenty, twenty-five, or thirty. I'd much rather take that project, and that is even that even that might be a little high personally. I would rather ha- get Hurts in the second round, but I'd much rather take that project than draft Herbert at five. I'm I guess that yeah, that is yeah. massive. I think that's massive overvalue right there. And I would assume I that would the part be... of it with with Herbert. I'm sorry. I think the part of it with Herbert, uh, especially in comparison to Love, is I feel like you know Her- Herbert does have that big arm. He's got the mobility. I feel like we've seen we, we've seen a maximized version of Herbert. You know, the scheme could have done him a few more favors at Oregon, but uh, you know, I, I think the temptation is, is that if you get a really good offensive uh, coach to maximize love, uh, you might see a guy who could kind of move the ball down the field at a you know mid to high level as a as a you know top fifteen to top twelve NFL quarterback. Uh, and, and I just can't imagine really Herbert getting there. Uh, at this point, unless is something really improves in a way that I, I can't project. 
I think you know, you know, me and you, Rob, talked about this off air, but you know, you kind of just kind of alluded to it. I do feel like the offense and the and the the kind of players that are there at Oregon definitely held him back um, because. To me, I don't. When I watched Herbert at Oregon and the way they played, like he looked good. I mean, I would agree. If people watch his Oregon tape, I don't think people are going to be just wowed. But I think a lot of it's because they're doing a lot of bubble screens, a lot of underneath throws. They have a lot of these kind of scat back receivers. They, they yes, at times they did push ball down the field, but they didn't have those kind of vertical type of uh, athletes um, where they were capable of doing that. And that's not the way Oregon has played football pretty much since you know Chip Kelly got there. So um, when I watch the combine and you watch the senior bowl and you see Herbert in more of an NFL setting and you see the throws he's capable of making, I, I, I feel like I'm like, wow, like this, this guy, I mean, his, there's a potential in terms of moving the ball down the field that I didn't think he had. I was not as high on Herbert until I started seeing this stuff. And then when you go back to the Oregon tape, and you see some of the times where they did push the ball down the field. You realize, oh man, this guy can really, if they really turned him loose, they had they could he could have moved the ball down the field a lot more um, aggressively than they did. And I, I'm not going to fault Mario Cristobal and, and and Oregon. They had a great season and and they've run a great program since Cristobal has got there. But I think in terms of just if I was telling Herbert where was the best place for him to go play college football, I wouldn't have told him to go to Oregon at all. I think that it, it did him a disservice. I think if he would played under Joe Brady, I'm not going to say he's putting up, you know, Burrow numbers. I'm not saying he's putting up Burrow numbers, <laughs> but I'm just saying if he plays with LSU's vertical receivers, he's having a monster yeah. season. Like, I think he's having monster numbers, and the conversation around him is different. I, I do feel like right. a lot of the Ohio problem State. with Herbert was him playing <laughs> with a bunch of 5'8", five, 5'9", five, receivers, and, and, and the way they play football. It's just it's not going to be conducive. To, to I think his strengths. I think he did the best he could, and he did a great he did a great job. I mean, again, they were twelve and two. They won the Rose Bowl. He didn't do bad, you know. But I think there was never you're never gonna have really a wow thing with him with that. Like the last you know great Oregon quarterback that was drafted high, Mariota had the it was it was great that he played in that kind of system because he wasn't a guy that you're trying to push the ball downfield with. He was a guy that you're trying to throw more underneath stuff. You're trying to get him in motion. You're trying to get him in, in you know, read option and stuff. Oregon's perfect for him. But with, 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 with Herbert, I don't this think he probably, was. This is, yeah. This is probably the meanest thing I'm going to say, but what you kind of just laid out for Herbert is kind of the reason why I once upon a time had Paxton Lynch ranked, I don't know, 17th on my big board. And I was just like, right. I look at his tape, and he's hitting short drags, and he's hitting – the running back out of the backfield and they're having success. And then I see him in the senior bowl and he's throwing the ball well. And mm. I go back and look at his tape for his deep throws. And I find them like, Oh, he's making them. And then he got to the Broncos and he got out there and he just checked down to that running back every single play. And I sadly, I think that part of the reason that Paxton Lynch washed out of the league, everyone said he had that, kind of laid back attitude he wasn't really a, an aggressive guy an aggressive leader just not for nothing is what they say about herbert too yeah uh, right. it's it's an, it's a comparison that i wouldn't really uh make in terms of prospects i would never put them together but just the way you light out the case sometimes you talk yourself into these prospects and sometimes it's more their fault in college 
than you like to believe, depending on whether you like the guy or not. Yeah, when you mentioned EJ, the wide receivers, we're, and we're going to get to the wide receivers at some point, but when you mentioned the Oregon receivers, like, this, I think this draft class, especially when we talk about Burrow, we talk about Tua, and even then, you, when you do it, and Jalen Hurts as well, Hurts, yeah. and then you throw in uh, Herbert, like, there's a lot of chicken or the egg when it comes to, there's a lot of, obviously, Alabama receivers. Yep. You know, LSU had a great receiving core. Oklahoma had C.D. Lamb. Like, so with Herbert, it's you realize, all right, they didn't have he like he didn't have four NFL receivers like Tua did. You know, he didn't have three NFL receivers like Burrow did, and an NFL tight end. Like, there's there are things that you know we have to take into consideration when watching these guys. But as when we get to the receiver, that some of it is some of it. Is the quarterback somebody that takes the receivers? Well, let's let you guys talk about the receivers. Let's get to it now. So um, this is regarded as perhaps the the best receiver class in many years, maybe a decade plus uh, in terms of the, the, the talent level that's available this year. We could see, you know, three to four guys go in the top 20. We could see six or seven go in the first round. So this is going to be a receiver draft. Um, the, I, have two, I have two layered questions. So I'm going to go with the first one. Just just. With these guys we have here, who's your number one guy? I'll give Sham first. Uh, number one receiver. Uh, I think just in terms of Van talent and potential. <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, Florida, no, Jefferson. No, no Florida, no Florida bias. Um, you don't got me hearing. You don't hear me saying Jeff Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I guess you probably have to go um, Jerry Judy. I mean, I think just in terms of talent and just technical skill, right? professional NFL readiness, I think you have to go with Judy. But, I mean, all these guys are highlight reels, honestly, most of these guys. Top five, top six even. Yeah. It's just highlight reels with all these guys. Where are you, Kendall? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm with Shamari. I think, you know, there's, there's some people that feel C.D. Lamb's the best receiver, and I think – I think CeeDee Lamb will make a very good number two in the right situation. Uh, you know, like Arizona were to pick him up, I think he'd be, I don't say perfect, because they have a lot of receivers anyway, but, like, I don't know CeeDee Lamb is a number one. But I think Jerry Judy's a number one regardless of where he goes. He's an alpha receiver. He's, he's a number one on any team, you know, regardless who he's playing with um, from day one. Uh, and like Shamari mentioned, the route running – is, is is spectacular the technical skills the speed he's a deep threat uh great hands i i mean again you worry you wonder about all right he played with you know tua but i mean when you look at him playing with jalen hurts when he was at alabama just as dominant you look at him playing with mac jones just as dominant so i don't know i mean maybe i don't know if it's a production thing or if it's just he's or if it's you know the the if it's just a, uh, something where he pops off the film, but I think he's an easy number one for me. Easy number one. Okay. What about you, Rob? Uh, I'm also going with Judy. Uh, I probably wish I liked him a little bit more. I think I have the ghost of the AJ Green Julio Jones draft, like sitting on my shoulder, <laughs> and I'm just like he he's not really that guy. 
Um, but but I still I still I still have him number one. And that's um, that's not I don't want to cut you off, but my question is because I thought about this today. Why has Judy dropped from where? Because going into the season, people said Judy is Julio Jones. He's AJ Green. He is that top five guy. And now you look at mock drafts, and we're talking about him falling to fifteen potentially, falling to Denver. I would say that's probably his ceiling, his floor. But you know, why? Where has that? Where has that disconnect come from? Uh, one thing that I would say right away is that I do think there is a real uh, CD Lamb train. Um, and I imagine you know, at least a third of NFL teams probably have C.D. Lamb as the number one receiver. And I'm sure there's a couple of them that have Henry Ruggs as the number one receiver. The fact that there are so many receivers to choose from means there's a lot of teams that will be taking offensive tackles and waiting on receivers later in the draft uh, or you know another position. It could be anything. Um, and, and all those things have kind of combined to have him fall. But the other thing is that I, he really didn't shut the door on the number one receiver conversation. And sometimes when you're presumed to be the best and you don't make an absolute statement that you are the best, you end up become underrated because of it. I, I think part of it is that. Easy, I have a question for you because yeah. you mentioned on our, might have been our last show, you made a good point because we were talking about Odell going to Minnesota potentially. And you made the point about that number one receiver, that top five receiver in the league is not nearly as valuable as maybe we think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why someone like Houston would, was willing to so willing to give up DeAndre Hopkins and Cleveland may be willing to give up Odell. Is that part of why a team in the top five or ten maybe says Judy may be all the talent, but mm-hmm. it's a waste to draft a guy that high no matter how good he is, because he may not impact winning. I do. Before I, I, you answer, oh. before you answer, let's not assign logic to what Bill O'Brien has done this offseason. <laughs> fair enough. Just saying. Fair enough. That, that is fair. But I, but I do, to answer your question, though, Ken, I, I, I do think that's what's happening. Um, I do think that's part of it. I, I, think, I think Rob lays out part of it in that, um, you know, it didn't hurt this guy, but it did, you know, we mentioned Jadavion Clowney earlier this year. But, you know, Connie had this amazing sophomore year. He had the, just that monster hit he had against that guy in Michigan. And people were like, oh, he's already number one pick next year. And, yes, he was a number one pick. But, I mean, remember, he got a lot of heat for what a lot of people thought was a disappointing junior year. Um, the guy was getting double, triple teamed every possession um, or every, you know, snap. He didn't, you know, he wasn't trying to get hurt out there. There was a lot of factors in why maybe the production wasn't there. But it did hurt him. I think that while people knew that he was this talent, it did put a question mark on him. No way am I saying that Judy was dogging it or that he played arguably as poorly as um, Clowney did in that year leading up into his draft. But I do think there is a lot in the idea of when there's hype around a guy, uh, uh, greatness isn't enough. You got to do you got to be almost transcendent. You got to be otherworldly for you to really live up to that billing when Judy had that billing as a freshman uh, at Alabama. So get the junior year, numbers were great. Um, team was great. You know they dealt with obviously dealt with injuries to Tua, and the, and the season didn't go the way it planned. Uh, but I mean, there's no real reason why he should have fallen. I don't think he he played worse, but because there wasn't this spectacular play. I mean, there are people talking about him winning the Heisman, and he wasn't even yeah. he, didn't, he didn't sniff New York. So um, 
So because there wasn't that special thing about him, that hurt him. It was kind of like, you know, Rob laid out a great point. The guy who did do that was Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald, going into junior year, it's like, okay, what's he going to, or maybe his retro sophomore year, what's he going to be? He had a great freshman year, but, you know, now there's all this hype. Well, Larry Fitzgerald, his sophomore year, guess what? He ended up in New York because that's how spectacular he was. Judy didn't do that, so I think that's why there's this campaign against him. And I do think that part of it is when you look at these kind of prototype, you know, outside of the numbers wide receiver, how many of those teams have that guy are winning Super Bowls. You, you look through the years, as we did on the last show, you start to see it's not that many. And I think people start to look at a guy like Lamb and say, well, this guy maybe has a little more versatility in how you use him. And that's why maybe a lot of people do have him. And Ruggs, maybe. And, and Ruggs is, is look like... At Kansas City, look at what right. Kansas City's done with Hill and Hardman. Exactly. And, and Ruggs is a speed I team. Mean, there's rumors that Kansas City may want Ruggs, too, which, I mean, good luck. God, God help, yeah. God help any NFL defensive quarterback <laughs> trying, trying to cover <laughs> Tyreek Hill and, and Ruggs. But um, I think that's part of it. I, I do lean Judy number one for me. I don't, I'm not as sour on him as maybe... I don't say teams are sour. I mean, they, they clearly see he's a top talent. But I, I do feel like he's a top 10 talent. I think that if they don't draft him in the top 10, and boy, if you drafted one of those tackles, and the tackles are good this year, but you better hit on that tackle if you're passing up on a guy like Judy, in my opinion. But I do think people look at C.D. Lamb, and they see a guy who is just so unbelievably dynamic once he gets the ball in his hands and seeing some yeah, of the receivers. I've never seen a guy with the run after catch ability. Yeah. Like and I think people see a guy like Debo Samuel and what he did um, in the Super Bowl last year and seeing some of these receivers uh, that when they catch the ball, they're like running backs, how, how valuable those guys are, especially when you're talking about a game where you're trying to get guys in space. I think that's where the lamb train is. Is, is riding and I'm I, I'm there, man. I I, I really do think CeeDee Lamb is special when he gets the ball on the tennis. Oh, and, and and then he has those other abilities of playing being a, a solid, really good receiver on the outside. So when you combine that with 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 the after the catch ability, you know, Judy's not that kind of after the catch kind of guy. Um he's not the speed demon rugs is. He's just great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's just all around great. And I think in some some degree like in some ways, I think he's route running, and maybe Rob could attest to this being, you know, the receiver, you know, coach and the receiver uh, on this show. I think sometimes almost his route running is so good that it almost hurts him in terms of evaluation because, you know, we look at the contested catches we see from a guy like C.D. Lamb, and um, and we see Judy not really get as many of those opportunities. But Judy's also, like, mixing his defender in such a ridiculous way that nobody's near him when he catches the ball. And while, yes, you can, we can talk over and over again about how great his footwork is and how great his route running is, it's just not that exciting. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that also has uh, something to do with maybe us not feeling as high on him. But I don't want to lose sight of that. Like, to me, he's one of the most polished receivers coming out of college I've ever seen. And, and I, I still think he is the number one guy as well. But, Rob, do you want to speak a little bit to that? If you agree or you disagree in that, in that, nation, in that notion? No, I think I think it can be true. Um, if you want to like talk about, you know, who are the guys that you think of when it comes to you know, route running in terms of whether it's recent prospects or NFL guys, you think of your Devontae Adams, your Keenan Allen, mm-hmm. uh, your Amari Cooper, and you're you're probably talking about three guys who don't get talked about as top five receivers, you know, 
in the NFL, you know, maybe not even top 10 if, if you're having a casual conversation, they slip your mind. So uh, I, I didn't think about that, but that could also be what's happening here because, I mean, let's let's be honest. If you think C.D. Lamb's DeAndre Hopkins, he's, he's receiver one on your board. If you think Henry Ruggs is really going to be as impactful as Tyreek Hill, uh, you're talking about do I take him or Okuda or Simmons, you know, you know at the top, top right. of the draft. You know, if you're saying, hey, Jerry Judy might be, uh, you know, I don't know, Keenan Allen or, or Cooper or something like that, you feel like you could wait on that guy. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It is true. Um, the other part of this receiver conversation I want to have is, you know, and we can include, you know, Judy, Ruggs, and, and you know, uh, Lamb in this conversation, but there's so many really solid guys. I mean, I think uh, for a lot of people – People may have 10 or 11, 12 guys on their radar for this receiver class. That's how deep it is. Um, I want you guys to give me two guys. I want one guy who you think is underrated and will end up, you know, really being better than maybe people think. Or maybe the guy is just really good and you just want to really, you know, shout him out. Um, and then a guy who, who is being who is being lumped into that class who you think is, is overrated. I'll go to Rob first on this one. Ooh. Who do I think is overrated? <sighs> Wish we would have thrown it to someone else first. <laughs> I mean, I have it, it really is. There's, there's like 35 Marcus. guys. Like people, oh, I, I know you could have thrown it to Shamar and he could have said Van Jefferson. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think you probably would be unsurprised that, that I really like as an undervalued guy, Lynn Bowden, Kentucky, a guy who kind of just did everything for them. You know, played multiple positions, whatever he said that he said if he had stuck to just one, he would have been, you know, in the high, a Heisman finalist. Um, I always like that kind of guy. I really like uh, K.J. Hamler, who I think is uh, and yeah. T. Higgins and Justin Jefferson. There's so many guys. I would say Hamler, Higgins and Justin Jefferson are in the mix with that that top group. I think, you know, Hamler reminds me of, of a TJ Lockett type, and I, I was low on Lockett coming out, but you see what he's able to do uh, with the Seahawks, and, and, you know, Hamler could, you know, just, you feel like you could just mix and match them, and by the time he's in his second season, he'd be doing the same thing. Um, in terms of guys that maybe uh, I'm not as high on, uh, I'd probably have to go a little bit lower, but you know, I'm, I'm not totally in on Denzel Mims. Uh, you know, maybe he is the you know the DK Metcalf of this draft, but you know, I think that DK is probably the one who is bucking a trend and playing with Russell Wilson uh, rather than you know starting to you know have a new prototype in terms of you know limited route runner and mm-hmm. he's just going to be big and fast and do that type of thing. Um, I also I, I don't get the Michael Pittman Jr. hype. I'm not saying that he's even overrated, but uh, I wouldn't be making a push for for him uh, as really going to be a guy who's going to overachieve uh, wherever he is set to go, which I imagine is probably somewhere in the second round, maybe early third. All right, Shan, what about what about you? Are you, are you going with a uh, Van Jefferson here somewhere? <laughs> well, I watched a lot of Van Jefferson, so I'm very tempted to go with Van Jefferson. Um, I watched. I mean, most of Florida's games this year, <laughs> almost, all, yeah, almost all of Florida's games this year. And, look, it was very frustrating at times, a lot of the time. But he was one of the few think constants, 
you know, <laughs> whatever Kyle Trask is backing up. I knew you can go to Van Jefferson, right. and we can get something. So, uh, you know, of course, I'm very tempted to go with Van Jefferson as someone that's kind of undervalued. I will go with uh, KJ Hill actually. Yeah. Um, okay. I think he's someone that I've seen. I also kind of got to see a good amount of this year, and no, really, almost no one's really talking about. No him. one's talking about KJ. You forget um, he's in the draft. You, know, you can almost forget he's even in this draft. And he yeah. was. I mean, he was huge this year. Um, so I would say he's probably undervalued. Uh, probably, probably the most undervalued receiver. And jeez, oh, it's hard for me to really say anyone in this draft is really overrated because I mean these, all these receivers I think are so talented. Um, one of these guys is gonna be a bust. Yeah, one. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably, probably more, more than one. one. Right. Yeah, honestly, more than one of these guys is. I mean, all these guys aren't gonna be starters or like <laughs> superstars. Um. Uh, sheesh. But they're they're all so talented though. It's like it's hard to even pick one. Um, um I'll go I'll go Henry Can Rush. I just I mean, point I think, out I, that I, I, Oh yeah. I was just gonna say that, you know, you mentioned some of these guys are gonna bust. if some of these guys bu- I mean, a lot of these guys are gonna bust, but you know, Henry Ruggs and C D Lamb are both kind of playing that game where if they don't maximize you know, their strengths is really not a place in the league for those guys. You know, Henry Ruggs, you see it with, you know, a guy like John Ross. CD right, Lamb, you exactly. see it every year. Those, those guys that are just a little bit bigger, they don't necessarily get open. They don't run a ton of routes, but they bully people in college. And, you know, every year those guys bust out. And then once in a while, DeAndre Hopkins yeah. is there. And you look stupid for not being high on DeAndre Hopkins. And I remember so loving, I remember it loving Kevin to everyone. I remember loving Kevin White out of uh, oh, out of uh, West Virginia, and I think he's like the perfect example of that guy. Um, you know, the corners and the people around the NFL a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, and he just had no chance. And um, and obviously he had injuries that, that hurt him as well. But but I I, I see you there. But catch, catch tomorrow. You were Corey saying Davis. yeah, Corey Davis is yeah. one as well. Um, yeah, you saying rugs? Yeah, yeah, I think rugs. Um, I mean. I mean, he kind of just out of nowhere kind of soared. I was, it's after interesting. Combine. Yeah, yeah, through combine. It's interesting. I was kind of almost expecting him to be before the combine and before people started having him as like their top two, top three receiver. I was almost expecting him to be someone to kind of talk about as someone that's being undervalued. Right, right. But now people are saying he's like, you know, number two, number three, just, you know, top, arguably, some people have him top five in the right. draft, and it's like, okay, you know, I think that's a bit much. You're right, right. I think he is, he, it is a risk, you know. I mean, we've seen a lot of players like him. Either either they're not, they don't really have much of a place, or they're a flash in the pan. They're good for a year, maybe two, and then they just they just vanish, yeah, they don't uh, do anything. Yeah. The thing about Ruggs is going to be the, the quarterback that he goes to, I think, and the offensive scheme, and you know, I he you can't be the wrong team. Like Minnesota, I just don't think they'd be able to utilize Henry Ruggs like Kansas City would. <laughs> you know, like it, but Kirk Cousins is limited, so um, I I can definitely see that. Um, for me, I think overvalued. I've been Justin Jefferson is weird because Justin Jefferson, the productivity is there. Um, obviously. 
if you watch a ton of LSU, mm-hmm. he he makes a lot of plays. But when I talk about the chicken or the egg thing, I do wonder if a lot of his plays, a lot of the plays that he makes are excellent throws by Burrow. And I do wonder, when you compare him to Jamar Chase at LSU, mm-hmm. Jamar Chase is making plays. Like, that guy is Jerry Judy ass. Like, he's, yeah. yeah, he's going to be that guy that, I mean, who knows? We said the same thing about Judy last year. But you would think he'd be a top five, top ten pick next year. Justin Jefferson, I don't get the same vibe when I watch him. Justin Jefferson, it seems like he he made he was in the right place at the right time a lot of times. And Burrow made a lot of times where my man has a hell of a throw. I don't know if it was and I, T. Higgins is also very good. T. Higgins, I also you know, you watch me like man, dude, Trevor Lawrence is really good. <laughs> you know, that that's something that you pick up when you watch both of those guys. Um I will say that I, I, I agree with Ruggs that again it's a it's a it's a fit situation. Um KJ Hamler, I am a big fan of. I agree I agree with Rob that KJ Hamler at Penn State uh I think was underutilized, but I agree. Like he's a play he's a playmaker, but Sean Clifford was limited. If you watched him with Trace McSorley, maybe the guy can the guy can make plays. I mean, I'm a Pitt fan. Uh and Torch, it seems he like Torch every year since this guy Yeah, every year. It was like, yo, this, Dude, KJ Hamler, man, and look, Dane Jackson, a good cornerback, going to be drafted in, in this in this draft. Guy couldn't do anything with KJ Hamler, so he's he's someone that. And again, also because I'm a Pitt fan, when you watch Penn State, I'm consistently rooting against them. So KJ Hamler, <laughs> if it's now, not just against Pitt, it could be against Ohio State. The guy makes plays. Now, something just something I want to point out. I mean, just looking at all these receivers. I mean, these these um, there's a list of receivers that goes almost twenty. Plus, it's crazy right. of guys yeah. that are gonna be drafted in like, the first, like three, four, or five rounds, and it's like some like, some really good NFL teams are gonna get these guys. Yeah, I mean, best teams in the leagues are gonna get these guys. Now, I mean, that's scary to even think about. The last time we saw a draft like this, it was I don't even remember the year, but it was the Laquan Treadwell, uh, Josh Doxson, um, Michael Thomas draft. And Michael Thomas went in the second round, and it, I think was Will Fuller in that draft as well. I kind of feel like Will Fuller was in that draft. He might have. Yeah. But, yeah. Yes, like, he was. Michael Thomas, by far, obviously, ended up being the best guy. He was the one that was not drafted in the first round, even though Fuller, Treadwell, Doxson all win the first round. And I don't think that anybody drafted in the second round will be better than Judy or Lamb. Um it could be it could be better than those guys, but I think one of those guys wanted to be the best feeder in this draft. But I do wonder, like value wise, is it smart to draft? Like for example, I'm a Vikings fan, obviously, and they they could draft a receiver at 22 or 25. Is it smart to draft Justin Jefferson when I mean you can you can certainly get a receiver in the second round that could also be an impact guy. I like Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. I think he's a project. Um, I think he also depends on the system you get him in, how you utilize him. Not a number one receiver right now. Uh, not Mike Evans, you know, in terms of, like, productivity. But the, he's a red zone machine. I don't see much, you know, from 20 to 20, from the 20-yard line to the other 20. There's not much. But um, I'd be willing to take on that project. But... I don't know. Like there are guys, Ayuk. You mentioned Mims. Uh, 
we mentioned uh, the dude from uh, the dude from TCU. Well, we didn't mention Ray, the dude from Rager. TCU, but yeah, yeah, EJ's a big fan of Jalen Rager. Um, there's there's plenty of there's plenty of receivers that you could pick up in this draft. I mean, I see a lot of. Um, I mean, I'm a huge Packers fan, of course. So I watched I watched a ton of Packers last season. I mean, and I mean, Alan Lazard, for example, right for Green Bay. I mean, he he stepped up huge uh, last year. He kind of came out of nowhere right. as as one of Rodgers' main threats. And I'm seeing a lot of guys on this on, on this list that could be added to a, to a great team that right. could all of a sudden just become another deep threat. Yeah. To some of these great quarterbacks. Yeah. And it's just it's. And we just, haven't mentioned Lavisca Chenault as well. Lavisca Chenault, Colorado. I mean, he's just a monster. Uh, physical freak. I mean, Ronnie uh, Cordell Patterson. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, this is this is crazy. This, it's, this it's how deep this Robert Seaver club yeah, is. It's a deep. Yeah, I actually, I, I, I was gonna say I actually disagree with what you said before that. Uh, if you were telling me who's the best receiver in this class, and you take uh, Judy Ruggs and Lamb, and give me the rest, I would take the field. Really? There's just so many guys, and you you just kind of never. I mean, if I had to pick one, I'd pick Judy. Obviously, he's my number one guy, but. You know, I could totally see one of these guys becoming the Michael Thomas to, you know, Jerry Judy's. I don't, I'm not calling him the Quan Treadwell, but maybe he just ends up being a Sammy Watkins. Hey, Quan. And, Man, and some of the was, other guys are a little better than him. That was a sad, the sad, sad couple of years for Vikings fans. Man. Oh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. If, if I if I had to go with uh, an underrated guy, kind of kind of uh, sneak sneak attack me with uh, mentioning Rager, but he is my one of my underrated guys. I, I know TCU had was a mess last year offensively. So if you watch his stuff, not a big fan of Max Duggan. Uh, no, (laughs) definitely not. When (laughs) when he had Kenny, when he had uh, when he had Trill back there at quarterback, they were they he 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 was just a speed demon. And um, I know there's some questions about his his speed after a kind of disappointing combine. He put on some weight, which he was actually trying to do to to show that he you know could be a lot stronger and still be you know that. Fast deep threat guy, but then he only ran a four four seven. I say only four four seven, but he was a guy that people were thinking would run low four three, maybe even sub four three. Apparently, he got that weight off and recently ran something like a four two. Of course, unofficial times are always nonsense, so I'm not. I don't think he ran a four two, but did he maybe run a four three? I, I can see that. He ran a four one two. <laughs> like you, you yeah, remember the dude from Michigan? Michigan, yeah. That they said. And you're gonna run like a four five. Yeah, like, yeah, really. Yeah, the cornerback. Yeah, who ran down a did he run a Percy Harvin or something like that? You yeah, ran, down, ran so, down Percy Harvin. Yeah, everyone's like, yo, this guy <laughs> is like guy's a, gonna run a four one. Yeah, I know. I remember that uh, that guy. But um, no, Rager, man. I mean, you're talking about just like you know, if I'm trying to find a guy who could be you know the Tyreek Hill in this draft, that's not Rugs. Um, to me, like Rager, it could definitely be that guy. He gives you punt return ability as well. Um, I, I think he's really good. Uh, I think T. Higgins is being undervalued too, man. Um, I get that he's not really going to run by a lot of people, though he's got fine speed. I get that for his size, he's kind of slender. But I read some of that. He's, I think he's got to mature his, you know, his body, get a little stronger. But I, I'm always going to have an affinity for the guy where if I just throw the ball up, he, he's going to have a great chance of coming down with it. I, I to me, he reminds me a lot of Plastical Burris. Um, he doesn't look maybe that fast, but he's running a lot faster than you think. And for some reason, you still can't seem to you know keep him in front of you. Yeah, I I I think that he's I think 
I think that, yes, maybe going into the season, he was a little overrated when you look at, like, his limitations. I think now he's being very undervalued because, like, there's all these other really talented guys. I think that he's still um, a, a really good prospect and a really a guy who could potentially be a number one. And I don't know if I, agree I think he's going in the first round, but like the idea that he can go really late or maybe even second is, I don't want to say crazy because this is, is a deep receiver draft. And I'm like, I think, you know, we're talking about a guy, Brandon Ayuk, who I, I like. I'm not, he's not one of the guys I think is overrated, but um, I, I wouldn't take him over, over T. Higgins. I think that that would be a risk. Um, I agree with that. Um, I also agree with Rob's assertion that Michael Pittman is slightly being overrated. Um, because he's kind of he's kind of becoming the, you know, your your, I don't say the analytics darling, but he's kind of the underground darling right now. The the receiving the receiver class of like, yeah. oh man, if you haven't heard this kid Michael Pittman is gonna be the best receiver, and oh, maybe maybe he will be. You know, the football pedigree is obviously <laughs> good, but um, it just the tape is not not super no. spectacular, right? not super fast. You know, he's, I mean, he's got good size, but um, I don't know. And, you know, I, like, he's playing against Pac-12 defenses. I, I don't know what that equates to um, versus, like, when I watch when I watch Jerry Judy, I know he's going up against, like, elite, you know, right. <laughs> elite defenses. I mean, unless I see him playing against Fresno State or New Mexico State, I know he's going up against elite defenses. So I, that is that is uh, a question mark for me. I think Michael Pittman is a guy that's being overvalued a little bit. And if, if I'm looking at overvalued guys, I agree with Pittman. I know you like Claypool, Kendall, but I'm going to say he's a little... It depends on where he goes. I get a feeling that somebody's going to fall in love with those measurables and he's going to go higher than he should. So I'm going to anticipate maybe he's being overvalued. If you're talking about mid to late second round, no, I wouldn't say he's overvalued. I think he's probably worth that risk. But I think there's a, a massive bust potential there that scares me. Um... He ran a four four two at the dash, and excuse me, at the combine. I didn't see four four two at any point during his time at Notre Dame. Uh, I have questions whether or not <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a shorts guy. I, I have a question whether or not he's a tight. I have a question whether or not he's a tight end. Really, not a receiver on the outside. Um, I don't know in terms of if he has a quickness in terms of his. He's very stiff. Off, yeah, getting off the release on these NFL corners who are pressing him. I, I don't know. I, I think he's a risk. I I, mean, I get the Amazing reward because the guy yeah. the guy is a monster. Mike Evans, like you know, I was super super high on Mike Evans when he came out. Um, whatever draft he was in, there was another. It was him and Sammy Watkins, and I remember I was very adamant about. I thought that Evans was better. Um, Mike Evans was just a monster in terms of every way you pretty much grade a receiver, and the, the concerns that people may have had about Evans, I feel like are actual concerns for Claypool. So I, I I would be I'd say buy beware with him, but I think that uh, I think I agree with all you guys, man. This is a definitely a loaded field. Um, Laviska Chenault is an interesting player too because I, I can't I still can't get my I can't really wrap my head around like what to make of him because he doesn't he's he's you know six two six three strong two twenty, but you know you don't see you know the the vertical. Uh, passing you know you know receiving ability you don't see the you know the, the jump ball ability but the guy is just like a freight train when he gets the ball yeah, he makes he, plays he's similar to cd lamb you know but yeah but like if, yeah but if cd lamb ran like marshawn lynch like, like i mean like it's like right. it's like cra- like this guy is he runs angry and like a guy that plays that intense like i kind of like regardless of whatever issues i have him i kind of want him on my team 
But I still, I don't know, I still wonder if he's just like a marginal, decent player. Like, I wonder if he's like, um, what's the guy on the Jets? Anunua, you know? Like, I'm not saying Anunua's a bad player, but like, it, like he may go in the first round. And I don't know if I'm drafting Quincy Anunua in the first round. Like, that's, so, so but, but again, I, I love his competitiveness, I love his toughness. Um, so, so, it's an interesting draft. It's going to be uh, fun to see what happens with the receivers. Um, I do want to talk about the offensive linemen as well, particularly the tackles, because that's also going to be uh, a key part in this draft. Um, it's very top-heavy. You got uh, Makai Becton from Louisville, who is uh, just one of the largest men probably uh, we've seen come through the NFL draft. Uh, you know, about 360, 6'5", 6'4". Um, a mammoth of a man. You got Jedrick Willis from Alabama, who's just, you know, very polished. Um, very decorated tackle. Uh, Tristan Wurst from Iowa, who just really wowed everybody at the combine with his athleticism. And Andrew Thomas at Georgia, who's just, you know, rock solid, well-balanced. Uh, I'm curious. I'll go to Rob here. Uh, uh, which of these four guys do you think should go off the board first? Um, first off, I just want to say I think that Josh Jones in Houston – Probably makes it a five. Oh yeah, okay. Push come to shove. I, I probably, I probably, I think I would take Josh Jones over. You know, I'd probably rank him ahead of one or two of those guys. Uh, but to answer your question, and this is a lot easier today than it would have been uh, yesterday or the day before. Uh, I would have Jedrick Wills as my number one tackle, and it it really breaks the. I don't know if it was a tie or if I was leaning Becton, but uh, Becton getting getting red flagged for a drug test at the combine. Uh, you know, not that I you know, have any personal, you know, grievances against it, but, uh, you know, I, I've stuck my flag in a couple of guys that got red flagged at the combine and they never got a chance to prove me right on the field. <laughs> Randy so, Gregory, man. Randy Gregory <laughs> haunts me. But, uh, yeah, Jedrick, Jedrick Wills because of that. Uh, yeah, he's, he's not quite as big, um, I think, there's a chance maybe you you end up seeing Wills playing guard at some point, but I think he's going to be a good member of that offensive line. Um, I think he can play on the left or the right side. I think he's polished. I think he it, it, when you watch him when you watch him run, you watch him make that first block in the running game and then go after go to the second level uh, with a vengeance. Uh, and I think he has uh, very good leverage as a pass blocker, which makes up for any lack of size that he has. So um, if I was pulling the trigger, I would pretty comfortably now take Wills um, as the first uh, offensive tackle off the board. Now, Kendall, uh, in a lot of ways, the drug test at the Combine is seen as the uh, idiot test because everybody's like, how do, you, yes. how do you feel the drug test that you know is coming? So does that concern you about Becton? Does that affect your uh, how you rank these guys and who you would take first? Um, well, I mean, look, the perception of Becton – it kind of, I don't look, I don't know whatever flags there were beforehand, but we just think about like the guy who is like your physical specimen, but it's a stereotype of the guy that's like your physical specimen, but it's coming from a kind of a backwater, backwoods program. Not say Louisville is, you know, <laughs> you know, Alabama State. Back by Petrino rolling over his know. grave. Yeah, exactly. fired. But like, you know, Louisville isn't, isn't your, your stereotypical playoff program, um, he can't be the one to, to fail the test because now that we'll just harpen in those stereotypes of he's not going to be ready for the big boys, the big boy league. 
Um, and that's the that's that's certainly uh, a question mark when you're talking about a guy who's already kind of a raw prospect to begin with. Um, I I had Becton one uh, before this. Um, the guy I'm intrigued by, but I'm also very concerned with is Worth at Iowa. Um, yeah, I mean, we were talking about this before. Yeah, we've been talking about Worth for a little bit. I, I'm just, the biggest thing that concerns me about Worth is I thought he was a good value guy for a long time, but I think the combine, he just, I mean, obviously he just shot up draft boards because he ran like a 4.7 or 4.8, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the 38, 38-inch vertical leap, incredible you know whatever it was for for a a tackle but i don't know i mean the athleticism i i I think it's a little overrated playing left tackle i mean i don't know but um he's also a very young prospect so like and iowa kirk kirk farron's like you would think he's gonna be well coached but i would lean becton uh wills worse and then andrew thomas i think Eventually, you'd probably be a right tackle, but it depends on the situation. Uh, but if you can get him later in the first round or mid first round, that may be good value. Yeah, I think I think if uh, if I was going, I'd probably uh, I'd probably go with Willis first. Um, I think I just like the idea that I've seen him against the best, and I've seen him uh, consistently come out solid. Um, I'm actually, I really do like Thomas. I think I like Thomas because of not just his pass blocking, but I also feel like he's really solid as a run blocker as well. And I, and I feel like that kind of gets overshadowed or under undershadowed rather. Oh yeah, yeah, overshadowed. Uh, um, when we're talking about uh, when we're talking about offensive tackles, so I think that he provides great value in that way. So I think he actually probably two for me. Um, I probably go back then because you can't teach that kind of size. He may have to drop a few pounds, and maybe that's what he was trying to do. Who knows why he, he uh, failed that test. But he, he may have to drop a few pounds. But I think that, you know, when you have a guy that's just that physically, you know, imposing, he's going to be – he has the potential to be, you know, just a, a real stud at that position, especially when he gets, like, NFL training, NFL coaching. And, you know, Worf is the kind of workout wonder, man. Like, I, I think he's good, but – I, I agree with Kendall. I don't want to go crazy over the combine measurables, especially when there's tape that I don't think really should. It doesn't. I don't. When I looked at the tape, he's a good player, but I don't see this like unbelievable like freak athlete that you see when he's wearing shirts, you know, in a, t- in a, in a t-shirt and shorts. He's in spandex, you know yeah. Yeah, like it's, right. it's a different kind of game. So I don't want to. I don't want to overrate that. What do you think, Shan? What, what do you? What, what would you go with these guys? Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would probably go with, um, Jedrick Wills, uh, first, um, and honestly, I, I probably go, as I, for me, it's close between Makai Becton and, and Andrew Thomas. Um, I mean, I watched a lot of Georgia this year and honestly, Georgia's whole line yeah. was kind of just, yeah. their whole line was just. Sam, <laughs> uh, uh, their offensive line coach, uh, Sam Pittman, Dallas, the head coach at Arkansas. So he shows he's very respected. It's not easy to go from offensive line That's coach to head coach <laughs> in the same conference. So quite respect, quite a lot of respect coming from that uh, coaching. Yeah, but um, 
But yeah, I mean, like you were saying, I mean, Makai Becton's size is just, you know, I mean, that's just it's just something else. I mean, who's that big? Who's that big running a five one? You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. It's, you know, inhuman. But <laughs> but um, but yeah. I mean, I'm also kind of with Kendall. I mean, Kendall kind of talked me into this, but I kind of agree. Like, I mean, how much does running a four eight? How much? I mean, it's. It's of course you want people, guys to be athletic. Yeah, you, want, you prefer you want, to be more you prefer athletic. Prefer people in the football national football league to be as athletic as humanly possible in all positions. Right. But I, mean, I, I wish my to. pony can run a four two. It's yeah, great. you know, yeah. I mean, it's, why not? But at the same time, it's like you know, it's based on what what you're going to be doing in your position. Right. Do I want someone that's running a, a four eight, or do I want a guy that's six seven three hundred fifty pounds running a five one? Right. You know, I mean. I mean, it's, I mean, you kind of have to weigh that, you know? So he would probably honestly be last of those four guys. Um, but I think I would, I would go Jedrick, Jedrick Wells one. I mean, I mean, he's just basically everything you're looking for. I think he's an extremely solid offensive tackle. Now we talked a lot about uh, the offensive players in this draft. I, w- I do want to go back to defense. I want to uh, go to Rob here. Who are some of the other defender, defenders that you feel like are, are really undervalued that you think potentially be stars in this draft? Uh, in terms of stars, I really think that there's a reason why we've we've kind of just talked about the same couple defenders mm. this whole time and why Simmons and, and Chase Young, a little less, there's, a, there's quite a few more corners, but it's it really is not a draft where a ton of people stand out, you know, linebacker, if you're not getting, you know, Kenneth Murray at a Oklahoma or Patrick Pina at LSU, you know, I, I don't know that you're going to find, um, there'll be an impact player somewhere. I didn't expect Darius Leonard to be that great, uh, you know, be the revelation he's been, but there's no one really jumps off the map. Uh, edge rushers. Is there another, are there four edge rushers? You really would feel comfortable with a first round pick, but, um, I did. I do have two corners uh, that are a little bit, you know, off the radar that I really like. Bryce Hall out of Virginia, yeah. who dealt with injuries this year, but had been really solid, a really solid like, four-year career at Virginia, who mm-hmm. I really like. Uh, and then another corner, Lavert Hill in Michigan, who I think if he came out after his junior year, I understand why he didn't because he's undersized, but he would. I don't even know if he would have been drafted that high that year, but he just has that type of – he'd just be a number two corner for you for a long time, kind of the way uh, – he reminds me a lot of Levi Wallace, who I thought had a great season across from uh, Trey White in Buffalo. Um, those are two guys that, that kind of came to mind. I, I, I don't see an edge rusher here really after Chase Young that really gets me excited. You're not crazy about uh, uh, Apenza? Apenza? Apenza, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, one, of the, one of the worst workouts you're going to see. It rem- reminds <laughs> me a lot of what what I felt like Arden Key at uh, LSU uh, probably two or three years ago where he kind of had this great tape, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have this guy ranked seventh on my board. And Espenza for part of this year, or at least heading into the year, you think that this guy may be a you know top ten prospect, maybe exactly. top fifteen prospect, and and that workout is, is quite scary, especially because the workout kind of backs up when you look at the tape. Like I know he was productive, but 
He doesn't look explosive on tape. So you were hoping that he had a little something more in him. Um, yeah, these guys don't, you know, who, who excites me, but I don't think he's really a sleeper anymore. And that's uh, Antoine Winfield's kid. And I don't know if he's a, yeah. safety or if he's a slot corner, but uh, I want that guy on my team. I, I kind of don't have an idea of when he's going to get drafted, but I'm pretty sure I would draft him higher than uh, than he will end up being drafted. Shamar, you also uh, like Winfield? Oh, yeah. I watched a lot of him this year as well. Um, I mean, he's a playmaker. You know, he's one of those people that you, um, you know, you can really you just look at him on the field. It's And he has a, a, a presence about him on the field as well. And, you know, and he's just someone that, especially, and you especially want this from your safety. Um, so I'm going to really command the field and really kind of shut down the, the, um, like the, the deep option, right. you know, um, but also someone who hits hard and someone yeah. who wants to get at the ball. And so it's, he's kind of your, your, um, your, uh, kind of, he's basically just your, the corner, the, the safety that you want on your team. So, I'm not going to go crazy with any kind of crazy comparisons to anyone, any kind of legends, but he's just a, a safety you want on your team. So, yeah, I agree. I think he's he's something special. Yeah. Definitely yeah, I mean, you wanted to call him to Teron Matthew. Just want to. <laughs> I felt like you wanted to say it, and I didn't want to say it either. <laughs> right. That's, kind of, that's kind, of what we're, kind of what we're talking about. That's And that's interesting, the, the, the Honey Badger comparison, but – um yeah Winfield to me has that like a lot of people talk about Grant Delpit but what's interesting about from LSU but Mm -hmm. what's interesting about Delpit versus Winfield is that Delpit was great but Delpit played with NFL players all across the defense and I mean doesn't I mean a lot of guys do and they end up being great but I mean Mm -hmm. when he played with Derek Stingley and Kristen Fulton who's gonna get drafted in the first round potentially and mentioned Queen and Chase on like there's just mm-hmm. I mean every I'm sure all all eleven of those dudes on that defense right end up having a sip uh, a cup of tea in the NFL, whereas Winfield was probably one of eleven that are going to play in the NFL mm-hmm. on the Minnesota defense and he quarterbacked that defense and made plays yeah. and kept them in games with the plays that he made. Um, I think. I almost may be willing to take a gamble on that guy. Then Delpit, all Delpit is a playmaker in his own right. I don't know if he's special. Uh, I would be fine with Greg Delpit if you drafted him in the twenties or if he somehow fell in the second round. But um, in terms of other guys that I would look out for, um, again, I'm not so, I, a lot of the LSU guys. I'm not very. I'm not so sure about. So like Fulton and Queen, I don't know. Um, I, we talked about Epinesa. He's somebody, him and Etor Grossmatos, I think, uh, both are going to be, I think, playmakers. Um, I think Epinesa, the, 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 the combine stuff is not great. It's certainly not great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, on the one hand, you have his teammate, Tristan Wirth, who did a whole lot and it may have been overvalued. I do wonder if Epinesa being as poor, having as poor of a performance as he's had, whether or not that's being overvalued at the defensive line position. Now, again, athleticism very valued, certainly more valued at defensive line than the offensive line. But um, 
the guy is a I mean the guy's been a wrecking ball since he was a freshman um at Iowa. Uh he, I think he's one of the guys where similar EJ mentioned with Clowney and with you know, he talked about with Judy where he's kinda come in with a lot of hype the last couple of years because he's been on the radar since he was a freshman, that he may have he may have kind of underwhelmed some people. Mm-hmm. Because you're watching, expecting this guy to be J.J. Watt, and he's just not J.J. Watt. But, I, I, I mean, I think a team's going to get him in the late first round, and he's going to be much more productive than your typical late first round pick. I mean, is he, could he, I mean, this guy was drafted in the fourth round, I believe. But could he be Max Crosby? Like, is Max Crosby that more, that much more talented than A.J. Epinesa? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Mike Mayock found a found a diamond in the rough last year with, with Crosby, so that's hard for me to judge. But um, I think Epinesa has a chance to be very good, and Gross Matos is a, I think is also pass rushing freak. So I think he's mm-hmm. gonna end up being being very good. Uh, Rob mentioned him earlier, but man, I, I I I Kenneth Murray is just the kind of player that if you ever watch Oklahoma, the guy is just un. Uh, he can't. He, he shows. He flashes on the screen. I mean, he, you can't miss him. I mean, he's so athletic. He's so aggressive. Um, I, to me, I think that he's going to be. I do think he's going to be a star linebacker in this league. Uh, the closing speed is absurd. He's a violent hitter, and when he gets to the ball, I, 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 to me, the only reason why you know he may not go higher is just because of the way we value inside linebackers. But uh, just an unbelievable leader, uh, winner. And, and just a hell of a football player. I think Kenneth Murray is uh, definitely a potential star on the defensive side. If you're looking for a guy maybe lower in the draft who really impressed me as I started to watch more and more of them, particularly because I was interested in their head coach, uh, James Lynch, defensive end at Baylor. Mm. Uh, 13 and a half sacks. Um, just really solid. Great at setting the edge. Physical. The guy's almost, you know, he's like 280, 290. Uh, I think he's going to have potential in a lot of different, uh, uh, a lot of different schemes. I think that you know I'm not sure where he's going to go if it's third round, second round, maybe even fourth. But if you're looking for a guy who maybe as a as a lineman who kind of maybe comes out of nowhere and is starting for a team, and you're like, oh, this guy is starting as a rookie, and I didn't expect him to play this much. I'll take a flyer on James Lynch. I, every time I watch Baylor play, he was. Uh, constantly just just solid and, and he's on against you know really great offenses and, and Baylor had probably maybe the best defense in that conference and a lot of it had to do with him anchoring them I thought he was just a, another guy just a great leader and um and he would be my guy if I pick a, a kind of under rare guy I think my MVP easy I expected a uh now personally I didn't give the Dane Jackson shout out but I expected a Shaq Quarterman uh shout <laughs> Michael, out Michael Pinkley shout out maybe no court I mean Shaq Quarterman I think is is also, you know, really solid football player. I just think, um, I mean, he's good. I, I don't, I don't know if he's a star per se, uh, but I think that you know, great leader, um, great intangibles, and a very sure tackler. I think if there was anything with, about Shaq Quarterman that, if I had a question mark in terms of NFL, is for a guy who doesn't possess. Um, great size i probably would have liked to see him play a little faster end to end and no he doesn't he doesn't run like kenneth murray um sideline to sideline and he's smaller than kenneth murray so i'm not saying you gotta be kenneth murray but like if i'm comparing 
for a guy like Quarterman, you're looking at him. You're not expecting him to guy. Uh, not expecting him to be Dante Hightower. You're expecting him to kind of be more rangy. Than I think he was at Miami. Um, I, I really do think Michael Pickney is actually someone to, to look out for. I know Quarterman got a lot of the praise, and rightfully so. He was an unbelievable four-year starter at Miami. But Michael Pickney also at linebacker was a four-year starter, and and he. I thought he, he, he put together a really great uh, final one, season, despite the fact that Miami had a, a miserable season overall. One more one more guy I want to mention. Um, obviously, we haven't mentioned Derek Brown at all. I mean, I mean you know, obviously, he's going to be a top five pick. He's amazing. Yeah, but he's amazing. <laughs> um, a guy later in the draft, Raekwon da- later in the first round at least, Raekwon Davis should be interesting. Um, tremendous size. guy makes plays. The only thing you worry about, for me, not the only thing there, there I, I'm sure it's quite a few things, but um, in general, I do worry about Alabama guys um, defensively. When you look at Xavier McKinley, you look at Trayvon Diggs, you look at Raekwon Davis. The Alabama guys don't necessarily make the impact in the NFL that they did, that they had in college. I mean, Eddie Jackson actually been he might actually have been better in the NFL than he was in college, yeah. but. Um, typically the guys that get drafted in the first couple of rounds out of Alabama. Now, there are a lot of them, so I'm sure you can find guys that have been good. You know, I mentioned Jonathan Allen, De'Ron Payne uh, in Washington, but I I don't know. I, I think that's going to be the interesting part of uh, Raekwon Davis, McKinley, and Diggs. Diggs obviously has the pedigree behind him with his brother being an NFL player you, you certainly hope that that helps um, and McKinley's a, a playmaker uh, but when you're playing around when, when first of all when you're playing in a Nick Saban defense scheme's going to be top notch uh, and you're playing with other five star talents other day one day two talents you you do wonder individually how much do you actually shine Minka Fitzpatrick's another guy from Alabama has been very good though um, yeah, the Alabama guys. I think it's. I I feel like even um, with Quentin Williams and kind of was just like a. a I don't want to say a mediocre rookie year, but just like a, a forgettable rookie year. I just feel like in recent years, like they they kind of come with a little bit of a. a I don't say a stain, but like I just think we're just raising our eyebrows at like their production because just we know that they're they're coached in an incredible scheme, and we know that they're on a roster full of other really high-end recruits and high-end talents. But, like, uh, is it one of those things where the sum of the parts is greater than the individual, you know, parts? And and, and that's that's kind of the question I have with everybody now coming out of Alabama. Because every now and then you didn't hit, you you do hit with a guy who's great. But it feels like it's like a, almost like a flip, coin flip. Whether that the guy is even going to be a productive player, let alone a star, for guys that are drafted in the first round high at Alabama. And that's uh, that's that's always been an interesting dynamic to me. Uh, the last question I want to have today before we uh, get out of here is um, is is we've focused a lot on the prospects, and I really hope that if people who have listened to this show, I, we can obviously mention three hundred guys who are being considered to be drafted, but uh, I really do hope that you know you've gotten a good feel for a lot of these players that we will be hearing their names over the next few days. Um, I do want to end this show kind of focusing on the teams and. Uh, the draft, as we see, is, is usually the best way really to transform your team. Um, is you know, some teams have, you know, 10 picks. Some teams may have five picks. You know, 
you keep all your picks, you have seven. But, you know, it's an ability to add six, seven guys to your team at a fairly, you know, reasonable salary number. And, and it could really transform a team from one year to the next even sometimes uh, with, with how well you draft or definitely at least for your future. So I, I want to know, Rob, is there anybody, is there any team you're looking at in particular here that you feel like can really have uh, a, a great deal to gain from this year's draft that you're keeping an eye on particularly? Uh, I think there's, you know, some obvious picks that have uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of first rounders. You know, we've seen a lot of trades going on so far. But the team that I'm really looking at, and maybe this doesn't quite count for what you're looking for, is the Ravens. The Ravens who are drafting, you know, you know obviously they have the 28th pick in the draft, but they have two second round picks, two third round picks, and two fourth round picks. And I think that they just have a really great shot. Their offense is going to regress. That's almost inevitable from what they had last year. Uh, even if Lamar Jackson is an MVP candidate again, I can't imagine they'll be as dominant, you know, as a t- as a unit. They lost Marshall Yonda, who is arguably, you know, up there with DeAndre Hopkins as the biggest loss a team has, mm-hmm. you know, going into this season. Uh, they really need to replace him, um, and, and that defense, although it came up, you know, big towards the end of the season. It started off slow. There's some older players, and, and a lot of guys on that team are either have just gotten paid or, in the case of a guy like Lamar Jackson, is going to need to get paid in the near future. And I think just kind of nailing, you know, the first four, seven picks in the first four rounds uh, is the type of move that will keep them on par with the Chiefs uh, going forward. What about you, Sham? What's the team you're looking at? Um, I mean, just look at the picks. I mean, the team that I would look at, just in terms of uh, who I think could probably gain the most value this year from picking very well. Now, it doesn't look like they have as many picks as they probably need, or that, that they probably need in terms of possibly being a serious contender next year. But I'll say New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think they're... When I watching that team last year, I feel like they're just a couple pieces away from just being like this team, you know, and they were series last year. Right. But, you know, I feel like they're a team where you get a couple, a couple, just a couple pieces where it's like this, if this team had just a couple more like serious pieces where it's like it's a couple more star yeah. players, like real star players, it's like, and they, know, draft, they draft this could be well recently. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, so yeah, that's a team that I'm looking at just in terms of they could kind of be a sleeper where they could run away with. I mean, this is a very deep draft, so they could run away with some some really talented skill players that could mean a lot. Kendall, um, I would. So this is I, I'm kind of leaning towards two teams. Um, that's, that's I would to- say totally allowed. <laughs> Totally allowed. All right, word. <laughs> um, two teams in the AFC West. I'm looking at oh boy. the Las Vegas Raiders because kind of what you mentioned about New Orleans where mm-hmm. you're talking about a team that drafted extremely well last year. Um, and the and the Clement Farrell pick, I'm still a little I'm still a little all right. I may have still would rather have Josh Allen. But 
Um, you may have rather had Josh Allen. <laughs> right, exactly. So, but the rest of their draft, you know, they, they, Mayock and Gruden certainly hit on a lot of gems. So you wonder, give them another, give them another swing. Will they? Maybe they're not fit to pick in the top five. You know, maybe they they're a little too mad sciencey to draft in the top five. But maybe at twelve, they may make a better reach on a guy. But the other team that I'm looking at specifically to answer your question, I think Denver um, is in an interesting spot. John Elway's group uh, at 15. The plan right now seems to be to target a receiver. I feel like if they can get a Jerry Judy, a Jerry Judy, put him with uh, Drew Locke, who obviously I love from last year's draft, uh, who I think had showed really great signs in his rookie season. Um, and you just move forward with those guys, and you're also looking at a team that has three three third round picks, uh, and a second round pick as well. Uh, they have a lot of opportunity to either trade up if they have to to get Judy, or if they can somehow get Judy and potentially a Lamb or a Rugs, because Drew Locke is certainly a quarterback that could uh, bring the best out of Rugs with his arm talent. And, you know, if you want to maybe have a there's going to be comparisons to Mahomes and Hill if they drafted Henry Ruggs. But um, you have enough capital to either trade up to get a top receiver or if you stay at 15 and draft a receiver, now you can get more weapons around them with the picks you have in the second and third round. Um, I think that's – I do think Denver is going to be an interesting team to watch. Uh, Rob mentioned there's teams with multiple picks. I'm going to go with one, and it's actually, a, you know – Funny, I'm, you know, I'm glad you didn't pick them, but uh, uh, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings. I'll be honest. I think that the Minnesota Vikings, um, getting a first-round pick for uh, for Diggs was good value. And, look, man, the, the Minnesota Vikings are kind of in no man's land. And you know, we talked about, you know, should they go after OBJ? Yes. We both kind of agreed that they should if they if they are indeed in those talks. Though right now, that seems dead at the moment. Um, I think it's, you know, put up or shut out time for Spielman, for uh, – for Zimmer, like I think that it's time for them to be bold here. I, I want to see them do something big. I don't know what that is, but they have the draft capital to do it. So I think if they kind of go through this draft kind of with a mundane kind of just you know vanilla, that's what's gonna look. Now, which which yeah, I mean with Spielman and Zimmer, that's kind of what you expect. Yeah, but Spielman I would hope that there's has some, a little bit of a history yeah. of trading up. You know, we traded up to get Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. We traded up. Um, in the past, you know, we've gotten, we had the three first round picks when we got Shree Floyd and Xavier Rose and Cordell Patterson, but I've just seen too many picks now recently where I'm just, I've resigned myself to, we're going to draft, um, a corner that's, I'm not going to love and probably either receiver that's overvalued <laughs> at the spot or, you know, offensive lineman, which, you know, we probably will need. But I think we need to pass for some I'm more. Telling you though, so, but if I'm Ziggy Wolf, that's unacceptable to me. I'm not letting that happen. I'm, yeah. tell, I'm telling Spielman and Zimmer, you guys gotta be bold here, because because the reason why I say that is because I feel like their window is all but closed. I mean, this is their last slither of a chance, and I think it's the last dance. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, I, I do feel like I mean, if you guys are gonna do anything, now is the time to do it. You traded Diggs, okay, fine. You got good value for them, so I can accept that. But you guys aren't – they're not going to be around for four or five more years. This isn't like, oh, we made this trade for the future of the franchise. Like, no, this is – that should have been a trade that supplemented to other big moves if 
you're talking about trying to make a move in this conference because um, we don't expect the 49ers to go anywhere. Uh, Drew Brees is back for one more year with the Saints. We know the Packers are in your division. Like, the Vikings, no one is really taking them seriously as a Super Bowl contending team, maybe except for their own fans, even though they've been in in the mix. They've been in the playoff games. I'm not, they've, taking, them super, I'm not taking them seriously. Right, but they've been in the playoff games that you would think would make them a team to be to to be thought of in that way. And and to me though, obviously with the way everything's set up, that this that this is the last year I think that where you can even consider them in that bold mold. I think if they go the opposite way, where they don't get very aggressive, where they don't do anything bold, you could see them maybe really fall off a cliff. Like I think that that, you know, this may not be oh another ten and six and a first round exit. This may be a six and ten and you know, a coach is fired you know, on Black Friday or even maybe, <laughs> early, maybe early before. Like I think that this is I, it's a- teetering on it's teetering in that way and I want to see the Vikings do something. As a as a as a fan, there is a part of me look, I'm not I'm not a fan that like roots for their team to lose. Yeah, I was gonna say don't don't even go there. I don't I don't wanna be the guy that's like let's let's lose every game, but I, I mean you want fields. You know, we mentioned Fields and Lawrence. <laughs> Uh, I'm not the biggest Kirk Cousins fan. I've, I've mentioned that on the show in the past. If we if we won six games and got in a position where we could trade up to get one of those guys, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And the other team I would mention as well, and um, I'm so glad that I don't got to worry about this guy anymore, but uh, Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay has a lot to gain in this draft because yeah. they're drafting in a position for a team that had James Winston at quarterback, but now they have Tom Brady. So the, 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 the sorry season they had last year, it's on, it's like crazy that they come into the season not with, with with having Tom Brady, but you're still drafting at you know 14 in the first round, yeah. um, and with with you kind of having this window with Tom Brady, obviously you know you don't expect him to play more than I don't know how long he's gonna play, but you you can you guys expect it to be a year to year kind of thing with him at this point. So you know all bets are off in terms of how aggressive you can be and starting at 14. Well, I mean you could be as aggressive as you like. Um, and maybe it's not even the first round. Maybe it could be in other rounds where you're more aggressive. The the, the Bucks have a huge, huge uh, uh, chance to, to gain a lot here because they have the luxury of being on this short window. So you can take more risk and mortgage more of your future because you know the future is now. And those teams that are that aggressive that are have less to lose are the most dangerous. Um, and when you put Tom Brady in the fold, if, if Tom shows he can still play this year, and they are able to add another top tier talent, or multiple top tier talent. Mentioned the Bucks go from a team that was a laughing stock last year um, because of the 30, 30 for thirty that Jameis uh, put together into a, a you know a really serious team that may may add two or three other star players. You mentioning the Bucks is interesting and rapid fire. I want to ask because uh, I think DeAndre Swift would be a great fit in Tampa Bay, but. Who do, who's everybody's favorite running back in this draft? Uh, uh, favorite running back? It may not even be the top running back, but just who's the guy that you're like, you know, undervalued or my favorite uh, prospect? Edwards, it's, it's a tie. Edwards Eler. Oh, he's good too. Um, it's a tie with Akers and and uh, Taylor. Mm. I don't. I, know, I, I don't. I don't understand. That. I don't understand the Taylor. I don't know, understand why people don't like Taylor. I don't get it, but you know, I think it, I, I think it depends on fit because I, I, there's certainly teams where if I was in control of them, I'd rather have DeAndre Swift. He can do a little bit more, maybe help you more in the passing game. 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, work out of the slot a little bit. But um, I really like Jonathan Taylor for the teams that are still committed in some way to running the ball um, in a more standard way. And, and I just think Cam Akers is undervalued. Florida State was just a mess for yeah. his entire career there. And I'm sure the reason that EJ, you know, shouted out, you know, Akers is because, you know, the hearts of all Miami fans were broken when Akers decided that, you know, he was going to commit to Florida State because yeah. uh, he was that big a deal when he was a senior in high school. I think I think there's something to say. It doesn't always work out for you, but there's something to say when you know, a, a big time recruit like that um, has kind of a lost college career. Uh, maybe he'll be the Stefan Diggs of running backs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, EJ I remembers when I loved St- Diggs coming out of, you know, when, when Minnesota drafted him, I was like, wow. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would go Swift. Uh, Akers, I agree with all you guys. Um, is certainly, I think, a guy that's, that has a lot of talent. Uh, AJ Dillon is an interesting person that hasn't really been, uh, been talked about. I know he's kind of, I don't want to say he's a dinosaur, but. You know, he's kind of certainly your stereotypical old school workhorse, you know, <laughs> 50 carrier guy. You wonder, I mean, is he over, as EJ's theory, is he's probably already over the well, hill. Well, it's Rob, it's, it, well, no, it's not EJ's theory. It's Rob DeRay's theory that I've adopted. Oh, it's Rob DeRay's theory. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my issue with AJ Dillon is the amount of carries he's taken. Uh, I mean, to me, it's malpractice for any college coach to, you know, 300 carries his freshman year. 227 carries his sophomore year, 318 carries his senior year. I mean, we're not talking about a guy who's playing 16 games in the NFL season. We're talking about a guy playing 12, 13, 10 yeah, games. Yeah, one of those he played 10 games. So yeah. you, he's taking all that punishment in, in college already. Just how long, of, of, of how much longevity does he have once he gets to the NFL? Uh, I think there's a lot of questions there. So it reminds me of LaShawn McCoy. Like, in terms of, See, I, mean, sh- I don't think he ain't that shifty. I mean, maybe not that. Sh- I mean, LeSean McCoy is special. He's. I mean, that's like a Saquon Barkley level of right. like shiftiness. But, McCoy, I mean, Swift is Swift is. He's got some yeah, stuff. Yeah, he does. I'm just saying. It's gonna Shady be interesting McCoy's. Swift in a situation where, because I mean, look, the Georgia the Georgia situation wasn't the best for Swift. You know, he had Fromm as his quarterback. You know, the passing game was it was inept for the most part. He kind of they they teams were able to load the box. <laughs> with DeAndre Swift and like like Rob mentioned, he's a guy that, you know, has some versatility in the passing game, but that I don't think that that was utilized maybe as well as it could have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested. I I would be interested to see him in a place like Tampa Bay where you cannot uh, put nine in the box. You know, what could he do playing with Tom Brady? Edward Zelaya later in the draft, maybe in the second third round in Tampa Bay, also could be a good fit if you're looking for a uh, a Kevin Falk type of run, running back. Yeah, I think that he could be a great fit for uh, Tampa Bay as well, especially if they don't go running back in the first round. Um, I think that's going to be where we wrap this week's show, guys. So this was a, a great show. I love this conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, NFL draft preview. You can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can also catch our YouTube videos on uh, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. You can find uh, me, uh, at EJ underscore Stewart and on Twitter, Action EJ. Um, we can follow Shamari on Snapchat and Instagram, MCSham22. Rob DeRay, tell them where they can find you. Uh, I'm on Twitter. It's at Rob DeRay, R O B D I R E. I tweet rarely. Not that exciting. 
And then, <laughs> there you go. And uh, and of course, uh, you can follow us on social media as a group. Uh, podcast, uh, excuse me, on Twitter, New Generation Podcast. On Instagram, uh, actually, I messed that up. Uh, on Twitter, New Generation Pod. On uh, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. And on uh, Facebook, New Generation Media. Uh, and that's it. So, thank you guys. They're going to follow you on Instagram so I, I, they can I, see all your no, awesome quarantine meals and your song of the day. <laughs> um, I think I, I did put my Instagram. Uh, Action EJ. Uh, I'm just making sure it's, it's, a, it's a recommend for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, for those who don't know, yes, Instagram, Action EJ. Uh, I want to thank uh, Rob Duran, Shamar, our special guest, for coming on. I thought this was an awesome conversation. It really. Uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, Rob, can we get you next week? What do you, what do we say? You, to do recap? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Shamari, would you, would you, would you want to come on? On the spot? Yeah, yeah, I'm coming on. Yep. All right. So we, this will be, we'll have this uh, part two. Um, hopefully it'll be as good as the, the part two of, uh, of the last dance that we saw last night. Um, next week. So, and then whatever other sports stuff happens, of course, we'll try to get to it as well. Um, that's it for this week's show. Hope you guys enjoyed it for Rob, for Shamari, for Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.